are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I like the fact that seven minutes ago I said, how did you get back into Pokemon? And now we're at, so I'm coming out of both ends and I'm in quarantine. I love that this started with, do you want to come on and talk about three wrestling matches? (laughs) What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you for asking. I, I call you Ace Trainer, Liam. I should really now call you uh, Slig from Off of the Radio oh, on you can Soulstorm. Do that. <laughs> That's me. I see. I thought you were going to say Daddy, but <laughs> I mean, well, hey, who knows where this interview will go? Uh, the day is young. I, the, the night is young, sir. Yeah. So you're in the New Old World game, and this. Blew my blooming mind when it blew I heard my you. Mind. <laughs> how, how how did that become a thing? What happened? So a long, long time ago, uh, I can still remember career. how the music used to make me smile. <laughs> Sorry, carry basically, on. I, I I think um, I think Oddworld's like official Twitter account years ago were like, oh, show us any Oddworld tattoos you have, and I've got sleeves that are decked out with loads of Oddworld characters because I'm a little bit obsessed. And I tweeted that to them. They were like, hey, cool. By the way, check your DMs. I checked my DMs. They're like, cool, check your emails. Check my email. They'd sent me a code for the remake of Abe's Odyssey, New and Tasty, which was cool at the time. Didn't think anything of it from that point. Fast forward a few years, and I'm streaming uh, Oddworld Strangers Wrath HD, because it had come out on the Nintendo Switch. And their community manager, Ash, turned up in my chat on the official Oddworld Twitter account and was like, yo, this is cool. You're an Oddworld fan. You've got Oddworld tattoos. Let's get chatting. Let's, you know, do something cool. So they ended up having me on their Twitch channel streaming Munch's Odyssey when that came out on the on the Switch. And then from then on, I've, I've had like just communication back and forth with Oddworld, l- listening to little tidbits about when Od- Soulstorm's coming out and what's going to happen. And then one day they were just like, by the way, we want some influencers in this game. You wanna you wanna be a slig newscaster? 
which is your favorite character in Abe's Exodus, the game that Soulstorm's based on? I'm like, yes, please, immediately. <laughs> Didn't even think how am I going to do it. I just thought, let's go, let's get it done. And so with the, when you did it, so it was, did they give you direction on it or did you just, they, did, you, did you wing it? They effectively, they, they told me that I was going to be like doing one of the little newscasts about the, the conspiracy theories about where Mullock might be and all that. And they were like, okay, basically, you know what a slig sounds like. You know what kind of voices they have. Try and try and do that accent if you can. I've, I found out since from listening to other people's cameos in the game that could have just used my regular voice or just put on any voice. <laughs> but I proper tried to go for the, you know, my voice attempted a Brooklyn accent or whatever it's meant to be. By now, we've all heard the rumors of how Mullet the Glug Schmuck is laying blame on this poor Abe guy. A former employee of the month, Abe is now just a smoldering pile of bones. Although we are still waiting to verify his death. More details to follow. I think there's 12 sections of, like, little Slig newscaster reports. And I was meant to read one. But there was a mix-up, and they sent me the script for all 12. So I recorded all 12 and sent them in. And they were like, oh, these are really, really good. But sorry, we actually only needed the one. So oh. pick your favorite, <laughs> and we'll put that one in. And I was like, oh, whoops. But how great, though, to be a part of I'm so of happy. That. Like, a remake of my favorite game of all time, which is now my new favorite game of all time, because it's just so incredible. And I'm in it. And that can't be taken away from me. No matter what happens on YouTube now, if my channel dies tomorrow, if my career ends for any reason, I'll always be in that game. The When I saw your, your message about it, when you announced that you were in it, it reminded me how much I loved the games, because I, I remember playing Oddworld Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus first time round on the PlayStation, but I'd never, again, you know, against my better judgment, I'd never bought New and Tasty. Soulstorm came out, I thought, well, I haven't played New and Tasty, the remake yet, yeah, so it, it was inspired by you that I've lost the last couple of weeks playing new and tasty and oh like this these games they are they are so rich they're dark they're beautifully ugly they're aggravating they're aggravating oh oh god i've lost those there's at least three bits i can think of off the top of my head where i've it it, it walks that very fine line between i'm sick of this i'm leaving i'm never gonna play this again to Oh my god, I've, I cracked it. I'm a genius. That's an absolute mood. Have you bumped into David Hater in there yet? I don't believe I have. One no. of the Mudokans that you have to save, or quite a few of them, are actually voiced by David Hater. Oh so my... Solid Snake for those watching that or listening that don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, I may have done and not already known because there's, there's one Mudokan or one type of Mudokan that just has a very like hello. Okay, oh. and it's, it's our boy David Hater. I didn't realise until last year. Like I've played New and Tasty a few times, but last year I saw an interview with David Hater where he was talking about New and Tasty coming out and how he's happy to have a cameo in it. I was like, what? My worlds are colliding. This is great. That's so good. What is it about those games, you think, that just that has drawn us in so much, Liam? I feel like they were, for saying, you know, they're a 2D side-scroller, effectively, they were still very different to, to anything around that time. They had this kind of very dark storyline, you know, coming in, coming out of slavery, saving your people from being turned into the very food products that they're forced to create, which is really sinister oh, when you boil it down to so that. so sinister! They're the but then blind Madokans mining the bodies of their, their own bones. <laughs> and willingly just walking into traps because they trust you to lead them in the right direction if you don't tell them to wait and just that but you couple that with this dry sarcastic humor element to it 
where it's almost kind of like, hey, yeah, things are awful, but let's have some fun with it. Let's have a laugh. You know, even even things like um, like uh, in Abe's Exodus, when you're watching the recap of Abe's Odyssey to catch up on the story, and at the very end it says, and if you want to know what happened, you should dish out some cash and stop being so cheap. Effect, something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but I'm just like, that's amazing. Oh, that's it. Dish out some cash and just play the stinking game. We've got to eat too. <laughs> and I love that. And I've always loved that. And if you ever listen to an interview with Lorne Lanning, the creator of Oddworld, that the man is absolutely mind-boggling with how passionate he is about this one franchise. So many game creators make like all different kinds of games, all different stories. But Lorne Lanning lives and breathes Oddworld. That's all he does. That's all he is. And listening to him talk, it's so profound. It's like he goes through all the philosophies of where he wants his stories to go and things. And I can sit and listen to the man for hours because his voice is like a knife through butter. <laughs> And just, it's incredible. And just uh, someone being that passionate will always draw me in because I, I really gravitate towards people that love what they do. And like Luscious Lawn Lanning, ah. uh, you have uh, an incredible passion for one particular video game franchise, which we're going to talk about. But the other reason that you're here on Cultaholic Island is because of your massive passion for wrestling. That's the one. I, I do like a bit of wrestling now and again don't i <laughs> you certainly do so we've asked you to pick three wrestling matches that stand up to you as matches that you would choose to watch while stranded upon a desert island and throughout the show today we're going to get through a few of those what would you like your first wrestling match to be liam well i have a golden rule when i'm watching uh, when i'm watching and listening to desert island graps i always think you've got to pick a royal rumble i know not everybody has but to me it's the best match of the year, mm-hmm. every single year. Not in terms of quality, but in terms of entertainment and spectacle and surprises and things like that. So I, I knew I had to pick a Royal Rumble. But for me, it was really easy because one of my favorite matches of all time is the 2002 Royal Rumble. <laughs> outright say i'm not the biggest triple h fan like i i like some of the stuff he does i you know i like his some of his in-ring work but i generally on the whole find triple h matches drag on too long and tend to be quite formulaic so i've, I've just never i've never really got triple h even ever since i started watching as a kid i never really got him and 
even though he wins this Rumble and the whole story of the Rumble is his big return, it's such a fantastic Royal Rumble. Like, you've got Goldust and Rikishi starting it off. You've got Mr. Perfect coming back. You've got Kane kind of lifting Big Show over the top rope, <laughs> in a manner of speaking. You've got Hurricane turning up and trying to choke slam Austin and uh, Triple H. And there's just so much in it. Even the opening... Um, the opening video package that has the the kid rock, you know, I'm cocky and I say, and then you've got Stone Cold, what? Over the top. Everything about the match just always sucks me in. And it's one of those matches where if anyone says to me, oh, hey, we're going to watch some wrestling. What are you in the mood to watch? Not that that happens very often, but, <laughs> but whenever it does, and someone's like, oh, we're going to watch Royal Rumble 2002. That's the only match where I won't have any hesitation i won't be like oh i don't know if i want to watch that today it's always 2002 royal rumble i can watch it twice in a row three times in a row i can watch it continuously maybe that will be a charity stream one day where i just watch royal rumble 2002 as many times as i can until i go insane but that's an easy one for me to just throw straight in it's such a weird time for the for what was still just just barely then known as the wwf uh, it, the start of 2002, the the Monday Night War was very much in the rearview mirror, rear, rear mirror, as was the invasion, which was done and dusted within a year. And we kind of were treading into this weird new world where we just had this one bloated wrestling show. There was nothing. There was obviously small a small matter of some tiny independence, but never was the gap so great because there wasn't a TNA wrestling at this point. There wasn't uh, the, the anything as big as like an ROH at this point. There was, we were still decades away from an AEW. We didn't even have a brand split at this point. So it's we were, weird, isn't it's, it? it's such an odd time and you have, and, and Raw Rumble is well known for the, the return of legends and, and, and surprises, and there were some surprises in here that stuck around and surprised us. Like, Mr. Perfect's run in that Rumble was incredible. You could oh, not have called that, could you? Like, no, no, I don't think, at least at the time, because uh, at that point in time, I, I wasn't as internet savvy, so I wasn't reading the dirt sheets and things like that. So when Mr. Perfect turned up, for me, it was the most complete shock. Like, I can't believe I'm seeing this man. Like, at that time, I hadn't seen a lot of Mr. Perfect because I'd only been probably into wrestling for about just over a year at that point. But I'd heard of Mr. Perfect. I've seen the occasional little bit of um, highlight footage of him and thought, he's really cool. Look at this thing he does with the towel. Look at him shooting the three-pointers behind him. And then suddenly, he's turned up out of nowhere. And I was like, to me as a kid, I was convinced that he was from a bygone era that had ended and he would never be back kind of thing. But then here he is in the flesh going like he's not Mr. B. Mm. Like still best fisherman suplex in the business. Oh, <laughs> all, it's the perfect plex, quite literally. It's the perfect plex. And it's a shame that his run after coming back was a little bit lackluster like i feel like they could have done a bit more with him maybe like you know an intercontinental title run or something but i feel like he just didn't fit that time mm. i think if he'd lasted a little bit uh, uh, when i say lasted a little bit longer i i do mean his wrestling career by the way not yeah. obviously his his life um, but if he'd if it, uh, someone out there would pull me up on it um <laughs> if his wrestling career had gone on a little bit longer at that point i think he would have gelled really well fitting into the smackdown six maybe it would have oh, been a smackdown seven almost like in a in a managerial authoritarian role oh, that could have been like good. an elder statesman player manager type position on if he just hung on until if, if he stayed in the company up until the brand split and once the brand split had had found its sea legs 
you know, there's you could have him like the technical master that he is in amongst it on the SmackDown Six. I think it would have complemented. There's a part to... of me that would have loved to have seen like you know how you had the feud of Angle, Lesnar, and Big Show. I'd have loved to have subbed out Big Show and put in Mr. Perfect. Oh wow! Imagine the match quality. Still, still have Paul Heyman do the turn on Lesnar, but bring in Mr. Perfect as the Paul Heyman guy, which would then link in later on to maybe Curtis Axel becoming a Paul Heyman guy because it's like I was your father's manager now I can be yours gives it a little bit more credibility and then they'd have to book Curtis Axel properly but (laughs) oh but wasn't that ruined by Triple H there we go it all comes full circle Triple H lost to him what are you talking about do you remember oh by by referee stoppage incoherent weird jelly legs bottle of water and a little drink and (laughs) a bit a little drink found a bit poorly De- oh, the loss as a result of being poorly but back to they the rum- get- back to the rumble no. itself um yes you met you you mentioned a few of the big things that happened in that rumble is there a particular moment in it that stands out to you as something that pops you every time it's do you know what it's nothing that's particularly i wouldn't say it's anything like it's not a surprise entrant it's not a particular like um move or, or spectacle moment just kane entering the rumble because i was a massive kane fan as a kid and 2002 kane with with the vest um and the kind of hot i guess hardcore kane as you could say because he was like in the hardcore title picture it's kind of just after, just before that time i think it was i think it was just before 2001 yeah uh, he, well he he became the hardcore champion in 01 and yes. at the end of 01 sort of he was sort of floating around that kind yeah. of division he'd be the ic he was the ic champion 01 as well i guess that's right but, yeah but, um, he, that that for me is like kane <laughs> <laughs> Mid, it's, for me, Midcard Kane is like my definitive Kane because to me, that's when he looked the coolest. That to me was when he had like the best kind of aura. But that's probably because I didn't grow up with original full suit Kane. Who, when you're a kid and you've just got into wrestling, and then you see full suit Kane after seeing 2002, 2001, 2002 Kane, you kind of go. That looks a bit hokey. <laughs> he doesn't look like the other wrestlers because he's like dressed for a pantomime. <laughs> but. But now looking back, I can see obviously how how at the time that Kane would be fantastic. But for me, 2002 Kane is like when someone says Kane, that's what I think of. That's the Kane. So whenever he comes out, I'm like, wow, this guy looks terrifying to me. When people say Kane is terrifying, the big bright red suit, I don't quite get as terrifying. But going back, I understand like it's more the um, the sheer presence of him. But badass ripped vest cane that to me is terrifying because he looks like someone who you could bump into in a dark alley probably not dressed like that though i mean i'd be amazing if he did just wandering around dark alleys dressed like cane that'd be studded be absolutely wonderful remember he added a little bit of little bit of sheer material down the thigh as well you know okay i I remember (laughs) there was a point when he nearly had a cape Oh, I know. It was beautiful. Cape Kane was a lovely time. Cape um, Kane is to come back for one night only. Oh, well, oh, don't even tease me. When I think of this Rumble, there's one spot, and you briefly mentioned it there, but I thought we can't leave talking about Rumble 02 without mentioning it. So this was indeed the night of Triple H. This is Triple H's big comeback, set to U2, It's a Beautiful Day. Oh, yeah. And Triple H came back basically more muscle than person. It's uh, true. Walking around like he was wading sort of thigh deep in toffee for a lot of the time. Like this wasn't in ring his finest time because he was just so beefed. It was unreal. There was the moment 
in this match where Steve Austin's in sort of halfway through. He's cleared house. He's there on his own. Triple H's music hits. We get the the green strobe lights for Triple H's entrance. And it is one of the coolest entrances that Triple H has had. Absolutely. And it just feels like a big deal, doesn't it, as he's walking out? As, like I can happily say, as someone who, as someone who who's quite outspokenly already said, I'm not the biggest Triple H fan. Even I pop for that, and yeah. I I feel like sometimes it's very easy for wrestling fans to be like, I don't like this wrestler, so nothing they do impresses me, nothing they do excites me. But there's no shame in saying when a wrestler that you're not that into comes back from a career-threatening injury like a massive quad tear, it's just a moment that you can't not get chills because mm. it's just. It's one of the things that you never expect to happen. Like you expect Triple H to come back, but you never you never expect it to be written so perfectly into a rumble as Stone Cold's cleared the ring. Who's going to be next? Could be literally anybody else that's left to come out. Triple H. And they stare each other down and they have a fight. And then the countdown counts down. Oh, it's so good. Three, two, one. Stand, Stand back. back. There's, a, There's hurricane a hurricane coming, coming through. <laughs> And it's the bit where Hurricane gets into the ring with both Triple H and Austin down like he's won the thing and he goozles them both. And there's just this brief moment where they react to it, where like they initially where they kind of recoil from it. And then they realize where they are and who it is. And Austin almost gives Triple H a look as if are you seeing this? Yeah, right. (laughs) It's so good. And so which and, and and Hurricane you can see has has lost the has lost the mental game already, and they both grab him by the head and hoy him out with his cape flinging every. Oh, it was. It and was then you gorgeous have, I think comedy. I, I think it's Jerry Lawler just shouts, "He's flying!" That's it. That's <laughs> it. It's so good. The, oh, it's just a beautiful a beautiful moment, and this is why Royal Rumble I think is it's the best event of the year. It's the best match of the year because there's nothing it, like it, because it gives you those moments. Is it? That's why there's nothing like it. It gives you those moments and there's no other real storyline with, without having to tell a longer story. There's no way you'd see Austin triple H and the hurricane interact like that without having Absolutely some storyline reasoning. But because it's the rumble, it gives you that vibe. Anything can happen. Everything can happen. I'm all about it, and no I mean, one... look at look at Rhea Ripley and Alexa Bliss this year. Like those yeah. those two characters, there's no storyline reason for them to be anywhere near each other. But here we go, Royal Rumble. Rumble. Let's see what they can do. After the races, we go. It's just it's always a joy, always a deep joy is the Royal Rumble. Um, when did you first become a wrestling fan, Liam? Can you remember? Uh, well, it's a it, it's a terrible story. <laughs> I first became a wrestling fan in about two, early 2001. I think it was just after WrestleMania 17 because I, I just missed out on watching the best WrestleMania ever, oh. which I've gone back and watched many times, and I, I firmly stand by it being the best WrestleMania ever. Um, but around about that time, because of things like the invasion, people at school were talking a lot about um, about. WWE and things like that and everyone was everyone had Smackdown and I think was Smackdown 2 out at the time I know a Smackdown game was out at the time I'm pretty sure we were up to Smackdown 1 maybe I think it was 1 because I I used to go down the road to my friend's house and he had PS1 so it was like oh I'm gonna we're gonna play a game do you want to play Smackdown with me I'm like yeah sure not really into wrestling but I'll play it and I happened to see like the loading screen that had Lita on it and I was 12 years old at the time. So, of course, you know, things are happening. I'm starting to kind of discover <laughs> who I am and, and what things I, uh, I I find interesting. And I see I see Lita and I'm just like, what, whatever my 12-year-old equivalent of, oh, wow, hello. 
would be. <laughs> so I was like, suddenly this wrestling thing doesn't seem so, so boring to me. <laughs> so I genuinely got into wrestling because I thought Lita was quite attractive. <laughs> and because I started watching it, hoping, oh, I want to see that nice lady. I want to see, you know, I want to see if she's walking around with a thong on show and if she's, you know, what's she going to do today? Bra and panties matches, which looking back, obviously, absolutely terrible concept. Oh, absolutely. But for a 12 year old boy, I'm like, this is, wow, this is incredible. Didn't know this was wrestling. I'd have started watching it years ago. <laughs> and then because you're waiting, because you don't know when in the card these things are going to happen or, or when these people are going to appear, you start watching the other matches on the card, the ones that have storylines, the ones that have build. And then you're like, wow, this is actually really good. And I find myself, you know, without even making a, a, a mental note of I'm enjoying this, it's more just oh, I'm going to tune in next week to see what, you know, what Kane's going to do next or or what The Rock's going to say because that was quite good. I like that. And it's one of those where if if it weren't for my my 12-year-old hormones going crazy, who knows where I'd be now <laughs> when the little, as a wrestling fan. When little Liam wasn't chatting to Big Liam about it, um, who was your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> who was your favorite in in the wrestling as you were as you were that age? I was I was massively into Kane and massively into Rhino. I should have guessed Kane actually. The the sheer amount of Kane bants that we had during Rumble O Two Talk. I yeah, should have guessed Kane. Right, obvious from the start. I absolutely loved Kane. I loved the Hurricane uh, and Rhino. Absolutely, like Rhino to me was just unlike any human I'd ever seen. I'd never seen someone that was so wide without being <laughs> like you know what I mean. It's like a bollard. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like he's literally. It's almost like one of those, um, you know, on the motorway, you get the red and white block barrier bollards. He's like, he's as wide as one of those, but his side profile is so sleek. And it, I found it just like, this man is on, maybe he really is, you know, maybe he really is some kind of animal. You you're, describing, I mean? you're describing Mr. Strong from the yeah, Mr. Men by Roger Hargreaves. Oh, someone please send me a Photoshop of Rhino as Mr. Strong. John! <laughs> I know John, you don't listen to Desert Island Graps, but John, John does photoshops for the Smackdown review. I've I've seen them and they're incredible. <laughs> he's, he's a good egg, is John. By the time he's heard this, I bought him a pint to make up for it. So it's fine. amazing. Um, so it was so I, I get you joined in then. I'm getting the vibe you joined in sort of during the invasion. Yeah, yeah, during the invasion, basically uh, towards the the back end of the Attitude Era, just pre ruthless aggression. Mm. So what was your vibe then? Because I, I remember being quite deep into the fandom when the invasion was happening and the general consensus was, oh, this is rubbish. This is, oh. why have they ruined, where's Goldberg? Like there was that mindset, but that was me by that point, a bit older and a bit more, a bit more insider Mark type fan. But for you as like a new fan getting into it, this must've still felt really special. So I was a full on casual. Like I, I was, you know, Marky McMarkison. I, I believed it because I was 12. So <laughs> and, and because we didn't have the internet then, um, or we had the internet, but it was basically just used for finding a, a Pokemon card on eBay that my mum will allow me to order um, <laughs> and things like that. You know, tragically looking for a, a hollow Hitmonlee, which I don't even think is that rare. Um, so I believed it as if it was some kind of real sport. So for a, a good example that I always remember, which is, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, is when Christian was on a bit of a losing streak and would have his temper tantrums. And then one day on SmackDown, I was sat just sat on a Saturday morning after my paper round watching SmackDown. Christian gets on the mic after losing a match and having a tantrum and says, forget this, I quit. I ran into the kitchen to yell to my brother, Andrew, Andrew, 
Christian's just quit. He's <laughs> left. I can't believe it. I don't know what he, he's just gone. I don't know where he's going to go because I didn't even know there were other wrestling. I didn't even know there was WCW at that point, even though I knew of WCW from the invasion. I just thought that was just another like group. <laughs> didn't even know it was actually a, a, a company. It's ridiculous. But you but, knew because um, yeah, you knew it as the Alliance. I knew it as the Alliance, and I just thought that's the equivalent to like you know dx or something like that i didn't know what ecw was or wcw because i'd literally just got into wrestling as these things appeared and i, I didn't have I, as far as i was aware I, obviously I, looking back i probably did but i didn't have in my mind at, at the time i didn't know i had access to wcw on a different channel or anything like that so to me it was just part of wwe which makes no sense because i go back and i'm like but they were literally saying on camera this is WWE versus WWF versus WCW and whichever company loses has to go out of business. But my, my little 12 year old brain didn't understand that at all. It was just like, Oh, it's just this big group that will get control of everything. And then the other group, maybe they get fired or something. It was strange. When was the moment that the, the veil slipped and you, you realized that it was all a bit magician sleight of hand. I honestly, I don't know. I, I can't pinpoint a time where I suddenly realized, I think it was, I think it was around the time that, um, that Kane was unmasked because I, I think I remember starting around that time to then get into looking online at things like that. Like that was, that was two, mid 2003. So that was, you know, me getting a little bit more tech savvy, spending more time on the internet with MSN and things like that. Mm. And, um, looking into it more because thinking, you know, Kane's unmasked, but He's not burned. He's just a normal dude. He just happened to have a very tragic haircut at that moment in time. <laughs> and, it's, and he was covered in coal, remember? And he was covered in coal. Just exactly. because of reasons. <laughs> For no reason at all. So I think that's when the veil may have started to slip, but I can't be definite. I just remember I was I was looking online at that time for pictures of more pictures of Kane on mass because we only had like the shots that we saw on Raw in standard definition. And... I, I hadn't quite, I didn't feel like I'd got quite a clear picture of what his face looked like. So I went online to look for more images of that. And I think that must be when I started to stumble across like wrestling websites that were like, this is the plan for this character. This is where we're going here and things like that. And we've said this a few times on, on this show that when you have that moment where you realize that it's predetermined, it, one of two things happens. Either you go, oh, that's awful. I hate this now. I'll never watch mm. this again. Or you go, that's that's actually really cool, and I'd like to know more. It opens up a whole nother facet mm. of being a fan because then you can... It's not only like, oh, I love these characters and want to see where they want to go, which is something you do with Game of Thrones. This is something you do with EastEnders. Whatever you watch on a, on a daily or weekly basis, you you've adapt to characters that are played by people who are not those characters so there's to me there's no difference in wrestling except for everybody's almost in the nude and everyone's <laughs> getting a little bit hurt on a nightly basis but protected at the same time which is really hard to explain to some people that it hurts but it doesn't hurt hurt <laughs> you mentioned your brother there so was, was your, your siblings a fan of wrestling as well my brother was very casual like watched it kind of infrequently i do remember having him having a bunch of wrestling figures like he had hulk hogan randy savage he had the legion of doom and i just remember thinking they were cool baddies from some 
TV show, like maybe from a cartoon, especially Legion of Doom with their spiky mm. shoulder pads. I was like, oh, I don't know what this is from. They look like henchmen from maybe uh, from maybe He-Man or something. But he was very casual. So like I tell it, I'd end up telling him everything that happened that week in wrestling because he'd have maybe tuned in and saw like five minutes of a match, but wasn't particularly that interested. So I definitely overtook him in that respect. And over the years, he just kind of lost touch. And so I think he must have, I, I assume when he found out, like when the veil slipped for him, I think that kind of just put him, reduced his interest, I guess. Yeah, I can, as you say, it goes one or two ways when yeah. when that finally happens. Can you remember the first live wrestling show that you went to? I've never been to a wrestling show, wow. which is absolute blasphemy. And it's mainly because it's not for lack of wanting, but it, a part of it is actually. It, part of it is because um, I've just never had the money at the right time yeah. or the time available to, to warrant, okay, I'm going to take a night away or I'm going to take a night off and go to... Because it's never in Derby for me. Like there, There's indie shows, but... For my first show, you kind of like, whenever you think of going to a show, when you've grown up watching WWE, you kind of like, I want to go to a WWE show, realistically. Mm. Um, but plus, I don't I don't really know any indies around the Derby area. But for at the time, like at the time of thinking, like, I want to go to a wrestling show, you think, oh, it's in Liverpool, it's in Manchester. And then you're thinking, do I want to go to a house show? And when you don't know a lot about what goes on at house shows... You, you think, oh, no, I want to I want to watch the TV stuff where the story progresses, like Raw or SmackDown, whereas now I'm more open to the idea of a house show because I know, like, the banterous fun that kind of goes on there when, when they come back, um, it, if they come back in the same kind of capacity that they came back in. Uh, I, I think we'll see in. them come back. I think that there'll be a lot more rules and regulations that come yeah. to it, which will keep everybody safe, which I'm 100% behind. I'm I'm wondering more if they'll if they'll be as much of a we're going to be very silly today because we can get away with it or if it is going to be like well we're bringing them back in x amount of capacity let's make sure we're putting on a show that's very similar to Raw or SmackDown although you don't want it similar to Raw at the moment <laughs> well from what I'm seeing uh, no Jesus no um <laughs> my gosh Raw is 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 awful at the moment and uh, what I'm seeing from a lot of indies that are coming back is it's very much a celebration it's very much guys who have made their names in the area. I think people, there's a, we will see, obviously not many people can still really travel that far. So it's more like a focus on the local scene. I know here in the northeast of England, uh, there's about four promotions that are, that are planning big comes, comebacks around the summer. And there's very much a focus on uh, the talent from the area, like, and, and sort of rebuilding that trust within the fan base from there. It's, wrestling in Derby, I mean, there's bound to be. Like a, 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 a There's got to be some, somewhere. If I do enough research, I'm sure I'll find if you something are, If you're me. listening to this and you are a wrestling promoter in the East Midlands, at Ace Trainer Liam, send him B- some book love. me. I'll take a powerbomb. There you go. Ace, there you go. <laughs> Ace Trainer Liam will take a powerbomb at your next wrestling show. I saw Hulk Hogan down the road from you in Nottingham in oh. 2011, I want to say. It was one of the last Hogan's last in-ring occurrences. And uh, it was a six-man tag in Nottingham, and they tagged Blimey. him in so he could do the three punches and the leg drop. Of course, it was. I mean, I've seen um, I've seen it advertised for Nottingham before, but it's always one of those where it's like that's forty minutes on the bus, yeah, and and back, and it, it's one of those where the expense and the time has never warranted me being able to go. And when it comes to American uh, going to a show in America, for example, because I'd love to do that, I'm always very adamant that if I'm going to go to the expense of going to America to and going to see WWE while I'm there. I want it to be front row Royal Rumble. Yes. And I won't settle for less. Like WrestleMania, I'm like, I'd love to go to WrestleMania, but I'd rather go to a Rumble than a Mania. That's a great show. And also what you said there 
completely resonates front row and center i i i no disrespect to anybody that goes to a wrestling show and sits up in the nosebleeds and is like wow i love watching the show on the big screen or on the <laughs> network on my phone if I'm going to pay to go to a wrestling show, I get that the atmosphere is electric. I get that it's fantastic. I get that there's nothing else like it. But I want to see the action with my eyes. Mm. And I have bad eyesight the best of times. If I, you know, <laughs> I've, I've got one eye that barely works at all. So I want to be able to be close enough to see the wrestlers and see their facial features. And then I feel like I'm actually there. If I'm watching it and I basically have to keep looking over at the Titantron to see what's actually happening... That, for me, I could just watch that at home. Hmm. To me, it's not the same. And as much as I love being surrounded by drunken, merry people, I'd rather do that and get the full experience of I'm, I'm literally close enough to, like, smell the wrestlers. I want to smell everyone that's eliminated from this match. Do you know what I mean? I, w- I want to say who has the best cologne, who's actually <laughs> lasted 24 hours. Hey, what happened to your eye? Oh, I, it's uh, nothing nothing bad. It's just genetics. So it's just, oh, it's just a lazy enough. eye from way, just, you know, it's just the way, way I was born, never properly developed. It was patched for a while, but that did nothing, basically. So, and I've just got a very strong prescription anyway. Thanks, Dad, <laughs> for that. <laughs> so I wear contact lenses full time. I, I exclusively wear them because if I, I, I never wear my glasses when I'm outside. Like, even if I'm just walking around my hometown, I won't wear my glasses. They're far too thick uh there's there's a certain word which i won't say that you say when you see someone that has glasses that magnify their eyes that much uh brass eye did an entire one hour special about the the word that you call people that have yeah i look like that if i wear my glasses and i definitely don't want to look like that that's not an image i like to yeah you'd have thought by now in 2021 we're sending people to mars liam you'd have thought they'd better have glasses with lenses that don't maximize your eye this is the gripe right the laser correction would correct me to a certain amount but because it won't correct my vision to perfect they won't do it because it affects their results because they need the results that say hey we got this guy from having a glasses prescription to having basically no prescription so they won't do it um there's a they well there still is there's the same surgery they do for cataracts which is intraocular lens implants um they won't do those uh, that's where they dissolve your actual eyes lens and then put an artificial lens in they won't do that because my right eye is healthy that's my good eye um but if i lose that eye i've only got my bad left eye which will never focus properly so i'll effectively be you know close to blind which is a risk i'm willing to take and i'd happily sign a waiver for but the doctors are just like no we're not doing that and the same with contact lens implants where you have a a literal contact lens implanted just at the front of your eye they're like your right eye's healthy we're not going to touch it which i still feel should be my choice yeah but I understand why, and they've got my best interests at heart, and I really appreciate that, but I'd rather that than have a have to wear contact lenses every day, because contact lenses, I think if I remember the maths from my... I used to be an optician, so if I remember the, the, the calculation, it was like, wearing contact lenses, you're something like six times more likely to get an eye infection than anyone else, because it makes sense, because you're constantly having your fingers near your eyes. But I, I, with that, I'd rather take the risk of, you know, having one attempt that could leave me potentially blind but i'd rather take that one attempt because i might be in the 99.99 percent of people where it's successful it's that it's that 0.1 percent that freaks my dad out because my, my yeah. dad was asked if he wants to have it done and i told him it was really safe to do and he went oh yeah if it's so safe why do they do one at a time <laughs> 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 just just 
to be sure. Imagine, imagine the, the the poor surgeon doing two at once, <laughs> just juggling. Two for one. It's easy. Easiest. We hey, we want to get um away from wrestling and talk about uh, your other massive passion in your life. Before we do, let's get your second match for your DVD, Liam. What would you like it to be? Well, it's interesting that we talked about Kane being unmasked because I want to talk about June 23rd, 2003, Kane versus Triple H. Again, Triple H, even though I'm not that big a fan of Triple H. <laughs> Mask versus Championship. I've watched the match recently because he'd just done, he'd recently just done the, uh, just had the run with Hurricane where he won the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Ladder Match on his own. Mm -hmm. um, then he'd gone on to, I think, he, I can't remember who he lost the titles to. I, I want to say Chris Jericho and Christian, but don't quote me. Oh, great tag team there, Chris Jericho and Christian. Um, and then um, he'd survived he then the Katie Vick storyline. Barely. Barely. <laughs> yeah. Barely. The Katie Vick storyline, which also I think featured Hurricane I think he was suggesting that Triple H was impotent or something. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's incredible? I, I had heard that. What's incredible is that, and this is, and this is how much wrestling. If you're not will, if you're not, if you're not looking for it, you're able. It's able to suspend your disbelief because you said earlier on that it was about 03 when you saw Kane getting unmasked, which we'll talk about this match in just a moment. Where you said this is kind. That's kind of where I started to question whether or not this was mm. really, you know, ab above board. Not, not the whole thing of. Oh, hey, Kane, you killed a cheerleader. And here I am um, having sex things. with her. <laughs> yeah, oh, my word. <laughs> what a time. Yeah, do you know what? I don't blame Peacock for editing it all. I honestly I'll... don't. You do what you've got to do. <laughs> Just, I'll never forget the phrase, I screwed your brains out. <laughs> In that context, Wrestling. holding the mush of, like, 
bolognese or whatever it was and that, spag bol. And, and that is number one on top 10 moments that your your parents probably walked in on you watching oh dear it, it's definitely been on every 10 things wwe wants you to forget about triple h and kane and storylines and <laughs> the network so this match oh. then kane uh, triple h mask versus title 2003 why this one because of just the entire aura around it there just seemed to be so much like it's a very formulaic match like you've got your diving clothesline spot you've got your sidewalk slam you've got your triple h knee lift and i think there's a spine there's probably a spine buster in there it's triple h it's been a few weeks i think since i watched that match back and just the, the suspense i remember watching it as i was young and thinking there's no way they're unmasking kane They'll never do that. He's, you know, I'm sure he's not got the scars that they say he has, but at the same time, he probably does. <laughs> so there's no way they're going to unmask him because that would just be cruel. So he's, surely he's going to win this match. He's the hero. I mean, I, I, th I think I was still very much bought into kayfabe at that point. So I think I was very much behind Kane. Like, he's got to win this. Come on, Kane, you can do this. But even as I watch it back, there's just so much suspense. The crowd is so into it. And for a Kane versus Triple H match, which the crowd are kind of like, yay, we like both of you. But in this match, the, the crowd's pretty hot. They're, they're really, really into it. And you've got so much going on. Like, it's a very overbooked match because you've got um, you've got Ric Flair coming in with the title belt and then not getting to hit Kane with the title belt while the ref's down. So Kane hits Triple H with the title belt but doesn't get the pin. And then Randy comes in later on and RKO's Kane and then there's a pedigree and I'm pretty sure then there's no... The, the Kane kicks out and you just think which... You don't know which way it's going to go and you can't see Triple H losing the title because it's Reign of Terror. Mm -hmm. And then you can't see Kane losing his mask. So it's just... Without no, without the benefit of hindsight of going, well, it's probably that Kane wanted to unmask and this is a great way to do it. You really didn't know which way it was going to go if you weren't reading any backstage stuff. And just the, the sheer suspense of it always hooked me in. And it gives me fond memories as well to being a kid during that era. Um, I had a very a very tight schedule when it came to Raw because Raw would air, I think, on a Thursday or a Friday night about 10 p.m. on Sky Sports. And every day... Every day around seven o'clock, my family would get together um, in the living room to watch like the soaps and have a cup of tea and a biscuit. Very British thing. Um, but then I would slink away and I would go into the kitchen where we had a, tea, a little tiny like um, four, three TV sat on top of the fridge. So you could watch TV while, while we were eating dinner and stuff to keep us quiet i suppose as kids and i'd sit there in the kitchen i'd have one of those chicago town mini pizzas cooked in the oven because from a gas oven they just come out amazing and i'd sit there with my little mini pizza and a glass of milk and i'd sit and i'd watch monday night raw with the union underground theme and everything that's one of my favorite eras and i just remember it just gives whenever i think back to a match like triple h versus kane um mask versus title i just think that's just a solid memory of just a constant in my life is watching that week after week, no matter what happened, no matter how hard school was, or no matter what friends I'd fallen out with that week, or no matter what the bullies had done that week, I would sit and watch Raw at that time with the with the little mini pizza, always triple triple cheese or four cheese, whatever it was, always with a glass of milk, and that would be my my Thursday or Friday evening, whichever it was. Did you dip your and pizza that, in the milk or not? Absolutely not. Oh. Why are you one of these people that dips chips in McFlurries? Yeah. Do you mean but by that do you mean a normal person? Then yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the abnormal people. I, do you know what? Not, not only, not only am I one of those people that dips chips in milkshake. I did it on Sunday. <gasps> wow! What are you gonna do about it, Liam? 
Thomas Theodore Campbell, we have oh! just been we have just been through a global pandemic and you're mixing sweet and savory. This is not okay. <laughs> Do you not mix sweet and savory at all? Not really, what's, no. But, I'm, but to be fair, to be fair, I'm not the biggest savory person. I have a real sweet tooth, right. so I'm, I'm very much like sweet on top of sweet is the way to go. Whereas that, for a lot of people, would be like that's going to make my stomach explode. <laughs> so you're more of a dessert person than a main course. Oh, very much. If I if I could eat like. If it was allowed and permitted, and if my girlfriend wouldn't judge me for it, my starter would be like a Muller fruit corner. My main course would be pancakes and waffles with ice cream and chocolate sauce and chopped banana and strawberries and all that jazz. Maybe a bit of maple syrup. Maybe throw in a little bit of bacon in there if you're feeling a little bit fruity. There you go. But then dessert is a big sundae maybe with waffle pieces in it oh. <laughs> maybe. and a bit like i'm talking like one of the big sundays maybe knickerbocker glory which i was very careful to pronounce properly there <laughs> did very did very hey make it Ooh. make it a potato waffle and you you're all right oh uh, I, I do like a good potato waffle i'm not gonna lie some say they're waffly versatile <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> we are a product of our time are we, we not? are my friend so with so so Kane's unmasking then. So the moment that Kane unmasked, I can picture it in my mind's eye. Rob Van Dam is for some reason sat on the canvas like a baby. Kane Kane pushed him over. That's why, wasn't it? Rob, Kane pushed Rob, him. Rob was like, Kane, you don't have to do this, man. It's like he does have to do this. Eric Bischoff just came out to tell him he has to do it. Like that's that's the GM. He ain't gonna, you know. Stone Cold's the reason he's in this match, but fair play. Just pushes Rob Van Dam aside, like, I'm away, I'll do it. <laughs> Get off, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> so then he unmasks, and then we see the burned, scarred face of Kane that isn't burned or scarred. It's just his makeup's run that he puts behind his eyes to make him look more sinister. Um, but the thing I remember with this so vividly is not only Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler going, oh my God, what is that? Is that human? Is a direct quote. <laughs> like, of course he's human. That's so mean. He didn't look that bad. But I remember as a kid being fully in on kayfabe, looking at Kane, he had the little blondish goatee at the time. And I just remember saying to my friends at school, God, he does look like The Undertaker, doesn't he? Because, <laughs> of course, they're kayfabe brothers. So, like, I was convinced that he looked just like The Undertaker because that's the family resemblance because he was a white man with a goatee. <laughs> it's Which is now goatee. something... That's something I suffer with now today is someone will send me a picture of a celebrity and go, oh, Ace Trainer Liam, this person looks just like you. And I'm like, white man, brown hair, beard. That's <laughs> the only resemblance. But sure, go off. Oh, bless you. The, the people, the people, the my loyal viewers have thought that I look like. The only one that's ever been accurate has been Rylan Clark. <laughs> oh. Which I can't unsee. Now I can't unsee it. Yeah, right? And I wish I had such lovely, fantastic veneers as him. Veneers is a dream of mine, but I don't look, I, I do look like him, but I don't look like everybody else that everyone <laughs> thinks I look like. Apart from, you know, being a white man with brown hair and a beard. 
If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Why is Poliwhirl your favorite Pokemon? It's adorable, mate. There's just something about it. The fact that it's so, it's just perfectly round and yet expressionless, but has so much personality to me. So I, it's just something I've always gravitated towards. Maybe it's the hypnotic spiral on it. Maybe I'm just hypnotized into liking it. But okay. that's and it's my favorite color. I love blue. Blue is a Although lovely par- color. Parents did think when Poliwhirl was on the cover of Time magazine back in the the height of Pokemania, parents did complain that Pokemon was trying to hypnotize their children. <laughs> I remember this. I remember, like as you say, at the height of it, first time round, there was this this feeling that there was something sinister about it all. Yeah, I mean, Poliwhirl was very prominent in Pokemon like media back then, but they slowly kind of pushed him to the wayside because people were complaining that he had this hypnotic image on him <laughs> he was the hypnotoad of the early 90s exactly the, the, the original the hypnotadpole <laughs> tell me about the first time you played pokemon oh that's an easy one that was christmas day 1999 pokemon blue had just come out the anime had started airing in the uk i think in like the february of that year so i was well up on pokemon loving it and then it's like oh video games for christmas let's go (laughs) my my green screen game boy loading up pokemon blue because obviously i picked the one with the cool turtle on the front oh i'll say tortoise because someone will get mad that i've got the leg shape wrong um but yeah blastoise on the cover and by I think we opened presents in the morning in our house, so it would have been at like 10, 11 o'clock. By the time Christmas dinner was ready, my Squirtle was fully evolved into Blastoise. Like, Wartortle was a thing of the past. And I just remember obsessing about it since that day. I did lose touch, though. I had about 12 years where I didn't care for it at all. Like, that's something I'm, I'm very open about because... Not that anyone would be bothered if I pretended that I'd liked it the whole time. But I like, I like, I like to be honest, when possible. <laughs> what brought you back, then? Well, uh, basically, my uh, my girlfriend at the time had Pokemon Soul Silver on the Nintendo 3DS, and I had been well. Actually, to be fair, that was one of my ex's Nintendo 3DSs that they'd just never taken back and their game. Um, but with my new girlfriend at that time, look at me, Mister Popular. Um, <laughs> I'd gone to a barbecue at her university and it was a typical university barbecue where it's disposable barbecues in the car park, nothing particularly cooked properly. And the chicken was, the chicken drumsticks weren't quite cooking right. So a bunch of of the people there were like, we'll go and cook them in the uni ovens in the dormitories and we'll bring them out. So they cooked them. They looked lovely and golden on the outside. And they were like, we don't know if they're cooked in the middle though. We're not sure. We haven't really had a look. I, being, you know, 
I, I, I was very new to, I, I've only recently met these people. So obviously I'm, I'm wanting to be, you know, Billy Big Balls and want to impress. So I'm like, I'll guinea pig. I'll, I'll try the drumstick. Absolutely raw in the middle. Raw as the day it was born. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it was still tweeting. It was so raw. Oh, mate. And I bit into it. Now, you're a, you're, I consider you a very intelligent man, Tom. So what, what, <laughs> well, that's what your would, first mistake, you sucker. They, what, what, would your, what would your first reaction be once you'd bitten into a chicken drumstick and it was raw? What would you do? Okay, so it depends on the company I am in. Um, if I'm with friends that I'm trying to influence, I'll probably very quietly find a place to um, remove the item from my mouth and, and conceal it uh, and then politely explain that, oh, Maybe give these a bit longer. Uh, if it was with friends, I'd probably throw the chicken drumstick at them and say, why are you trying to kill me? What have I done to you? Uh, it, so it really depends on the audience. Uh, what did you what? do, Liam? Well, in my infinite wisdom, I went, I'm around new people. I don't really want to be seen like spitting around new people. I'll just swallow it. I'll oh, just swallow it. Just get no. it down. You get it down. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Not a problem. Went to work next day. Absolutely not a problem. Uh, worst part is I live in Derby. I worked in Colville near Leicester. So it's quite a trek away from home. Uh, I'm I'm upstairs, I think, checking in some some new spectacles that have been ordered in for people, making sure they're the right prescription in the, in the little lens lab we had at Speckies. And suddenly I'm overcome with this, this feeling of something's not quite right. Uh-oh. What's going on? I'm then hurling my guts up into the, into the lab sink. I'm very thankful it was mouth end. Yeah, at first. it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot, lot worse. I, I, I go downstairs to, to the manager and I'm like, I think I'm really ill. I've, I've just thrown up like five times in the space of 10 minutes. I think I need to go home. So they're like, it's fine. Go home. We, we don't want you being anywhere near the patients if you're ill. Um, so I hop in my car. I drive home. I have to pull into three different laybys on the M1, M1 to in order to throw up just on the, the side of the road. I've, honestly, the great shame just being at the roadside next to my little hatchback, just hurling my guts up as thousands of people travel past like, I got a few of those. Oh, no. I get home and I just think, I must just be a little bit unwell. I don't know what it is, but I'll just I'll just lie in bed. And I start to get stomach cramps and they get worse and worse and worse. And then I'll, I'll spare you the gory details, but basically I'm, I'm drinking water to stay hydrated. But when I drink water, I throw it back up. If I manage to keep it down within one minute, no less, I'm going to the bathroom and I'm sitting on the bathroom for God knows how long. Just there was no way I could retain any water in my system. And I was slowly getting more dehydrated and my stomach was starting to cramp up. My mum comes home from work because I was living at hers at the time. I'm screaming in pain because we lived in a we lived in a little flat where you open the front door, the side door of the house and it's stairs leading up to the floor that is our, our flat. So she's at the bottom of the stairs. I hear her coming in. I'm, I'm screaming like I've never screamed before. Like, please come and help me. Something's not right. Um, she calls the 111 service who are frightfully quick at sorting problems out. And what I mean by that is uh, they told me to wait half an hour and I'll be called back by a nurse. We waited half an hour, called back. Wait half an hour, you'll be called back by a nurse. Wait half an hour. We waited from about 8 p.m. when my mum got home. Bear in mind, I got home at 4.30. <laughs> so we waited until 8 p.m. So I've been at home at this point for near enough six hours with intense stomach cramps and slowly dehydrating. and Well, quickly dehydrating. To the point where I, my mum rang my dad to say, they're just not calling us back. What can we do? And my, I, my dad was just like, call 999. I think I did, in, in my heated state, I did hurl some expletives at my mum, which at the time I felt bad for. 
later in life, I don't feel as bad for now, but that's a story for another day. Uh, so finally, we got an ambulance. We uh, got me taken to hospital. I was put on morphine and a, uh, and a drip because I was so dehydrated. They were like, if you'd have left this a few more hours, there could have been like some irreparable damage to organs because you've been so dehydrated. I was like, really? That's incredible. Wow. Well, not incredible, but like fascinating. No, there is something uh, quite incredible about that thing where they say, hey, you... You could have been in trouble, but when you when you when you know you're not, and you're in the clear, all because I swallowed some chicken. <laughs> it's like when I went, uh, I went once to the, I got taken to A and E once because my my tonsils swelled up in my throat, and they um it, I got, I got quinzy, and the doctor said, "Had you left this any longer?" Because I wasn't going to go to the doctor's till like the the Tuesday, and I ended up getting an emergency appointment on the Sunday, and the doctor said, "Like, had you not done this, then either your tonsils would have infla- inflated, burst, and you'd have." poisoned Ooh. yourself or they'd have blocked your airwaves and you'd have choked to death so i was like wow so i nearly died that's quite that's terrifying but there but is still very fascinating yeah like you because say. like because as you did just then where you're like oh really because it's almost like wow like a very you close say to the it with a smile on your face as well like yes! wow <laughs> i nearly died today go me i survived i've evolved like <laughs> i have evolved and, uh, but basically, I was in hospital. They put me in a quarantine room because they didn't know what was wrong with me. All they knew is I was severely dehydrated and, and exploding from both ends. Um, <laughs> at one point, the one thing I remember from the morphine is um, being com- obviously completely out of it because I'm on morphine. Just going, can you get my Lucozade from my mum? Because they were encouraging me to drink Lucozade because of electrolytes and all that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, who is she? She'd be the one in the waiting room just looking bored. <laughs> and then when they brought me my Lucozade, I was like, you're my favorite nurse ever. I love you. Because... <laughs> Because the morphine just had me do lally. But they put me in a quarantine room. Would like to point out, this own. is still they, the they kept... question, how did you get back this into Pokemon? This is still on about Pokemon. <laughs> we are getting there. I will walk it back, don't worry. You tuned in for the three-hour edition, the bumper the, edition of Desert Island Grass. This is the I like the fact that, like, seven minutes ago, I said, how did you get back into Pokemon? And now we're at, so, I'm coming out of both ends, and I'm in quarantine. <laughs> I love that this started with, do you want to come on and talk about three wrestling matches? <laughs> I'm so sorry I've derailed this mate, so much. Mate, but mate, I am we've had worse epith- derailings, I promise you. <laughs> I've listened to some of them, they're great. <laughs> hey, at least it's at least it's not Pachiti on the regular podcast, because that's oh. that lengthens it. Good lord. I love it, oh. but good lord. I'm he, like, that, oh that tall boy makes it a tall boy, doesn't he? I don't even have to look at the at the who's who's in it. I don't have to open the video. I go three hours forty five minutes. I gotta be Pachiti. Pachiti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's off is the question more than who's on. We're told to keep it tight and bright unless Pachiti's on, in which case it will just go the distance. Exactly. Daddy's home. But um, so I'm in my quarantine room. We've got, you know, visiting hours very briefly. The food's terrible. But most of the time, I'm just on my own waiting for the occasional blood test. And I I think I was in there for two days or three days. I can't quite remember. It was actually only, it's like the year anniversary was last week. Like, like the eight, sorry, eight year anniversary of it was last week. So it was like 2013. Um, well, not like it was 2013. And um, they, uh, I, I eventually basically got a bit of cabin fever i think because i started to kind of lose my mind a little bit while i was in there and i remember just ringing up my my then girlfriend at the time kind of the, the person that i'd gone to the whole barbecue for just crying my eyes out because i was just so i felt so alone and isolated and i'd never experienced anything like it at that point in my life i was just like i've never been so on my own and unable to communicate with anyone didn't have my mobile phone with me um, I think I had it with me, but I didn't have a charger. And my mum kept forgetting to bring the charger whenever she'd visit. So I had no contact with the outside world um, apart from like uh, asking them for permission to like, can I, can I call my girlfriend, please? And just crying my eyes out. And um, she ended up coming in, bringing 
that Nintendo DS from my house with Pokemon, I think it was Pokemon Diamond. And um, just playing through that, like, oh, I've played a Pokemon game in the past. I haven't played them in like 12 years because I, I, I kind of fell out with it after they added more than 150 Pokemon because I was a teenager and I was like, oh, screw this. This is stupid. This is a baby's game. Started playing it and just fell absolutely back in love with it and was like, right, I need to play the rest now. So I think that's when I picked up Soul Silver. And later in that year, Pokemon Y came out, uh, Pokemon X and Y. And then I got the, you know, I got all hyped up playing on the new games and discovering new stuff in Pokemon. And before before long, it was like, oh, I've started to watch Pokemon YouTubers are really passionate about it. And that's kind of where my love for Pokemon came back in. Weird story, but... <laughs> but it, well, we, we joke about it and it was scary. It was a very scary very time for you. But what it shows is the true power of a game like Pokemon, which can... A great game is, is immersive. Like a great game will 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 grab you, and that rectangle you're staring at will just be all that is in your world. And I think when you needed it most, when you needed that escapism, when you're crawling up the walls in this, in what you know, hospitals, are the, the angels, angels uh, fly around hospitals. They do, and they're called nurses and doctors. But mm. it's. But you were climbing up the walls in this place that was so far from your home, and Pokemon kind of became that thing that kept you going. It was like a comfort blanket. Yeah. It was, you know, and it was that big distraction from everything that was going on. So um, it's it's one of those where no matter how bad things were at that point for me, I could just flip that screen on and just even for just an hour or so, I could just forget what I was going through and I could just be more immersed in, oh, like my my Luxio is going to evolve into a Luxray. That's pretty cool. And the, I'm discovering Pokemon I've never heard of before because I I was so switched off at that point. So I remember I remember losing my mind. I think it's still on my Instagram. Like uh, I don't know if it was at the hospital or if it was sometime later. But my Flaffy evolved into an Ampharos, and I just thought that was the most incredible thing ever. Like I didn't even know that had an evolution. That's amazing, and just stuff like that brought really brought the magic back for me. That's it's it's an incredible story. Where, how did it go then from you just being totally immersed in this, discovering people online who were big fans like yourself? So when did you decide actually I want to turn this into a, a thing? I want to turn this into a channel. I want to turn this into a, 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 a hobby, a piece of work, whatever you want to call it. Well, for any any of my uh, viewers that are watching right now, um, they can uh, listening right now. I should say they, um, you guys, like keep listening just in case there's anything new. But this is something I've told you a thousand times on Twitch, just because I know sometimes they roll their eyes like, "Oh, this story again." Uh, but I was working um, a, a nine to five job Monday to Friday, and when I was coming home, I was finding that I just sit. And I'd watch TV, maybe watch a bit of wrestling, but I wouldn't say it was like, I, I wouldn't say I was super passionate about wrestling. I'd say I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say it was a hobby. You know, mm. you, you're watching a show every week that you enjoy and maybe checking a bit of the backstage stuff. I, I, I personally wouldn't call that like, I wouldn't say that's an absolute hobby in itself. I feel like you need to have a, a much deeper love for wrestling to, to consider it a hobby, although that's a very gatekeepy at the same time. Like I'd say right now it's a hobby, but back then I don't feel like I was as into it to, to call it a hobby. So I didn't feel like it, I didn't get a, like a massive sense of fulfillment from watching wrestling, I think is the, the best way to phrase it. Um, so I was just watching TV, hanging out with, with my girlfriend, and then going to bed, getting up, going to work, coming home, watching TV, maybe play a few video games, but there was nothing I was super, super passionate about. 
And then I saw people like Jay Wits and Dookie Shed who were making these videos about Pokemon and how much they loved it and how much it kind of absorbed their life. And I remember just thinking, I do like Pokemon a lot. I do like it probably more than anything else that I'm currently like playing or watching. And I do have a lot of opinions and things that I'd want to say about certain Pokemon. And I do have certain favorites. So maybe I'm more interested in it than I think I am. Oh, I've never made a video before though. And I don't even know how. I don't even know what software you use. But it sounds like an interesting thing to try out. So I looked up like how to how to get um, video editing software and stuff. How to make videos. Like I'm self-taught. Everything I've learned, I've learned from a tutorial on YouTube from some random person. Thank God to the, the random people who have like 1,000 subscribers who just upload tutorials of everything. <laughs> hoping something sticks. You guys have built... I, it sounds a bit bad actually. You guys have helped me build my career because I couldn't have done it without Oh, them. they're the real heroes. You know? Yeah, they are the heroes. A, Not all heroes Adobe, like Adobe Fan 4386 or whatever who, who my, tell you how to put an echo sound effect on. Like, my favorite is because I, I started on sony vegas i didn't know how to cut clips i didn't know how to take a clip that was like nine minutes long and cut 30 seconds off it i had to watch a tutorial that was about two minutes long of a guy going hey guys today i'm going to teach you how to use uh, sony vegas in order to cut clips talks for about a minute and a half and then goes click the clip in the place in the timeline you want it and hit the s key and i was like oh my god <laughs> Really? <laughs> that is every tutorial ever. Just but it's amazing. And before you do that, make sure you click like and subscribe, and uh, <laughs> yeah. make sure you for more tips. Hit more tips. Hit, next, hit the bell so uh, you can get updates next time. Thanks very much. Okay, so you want to you want to click cut. Thanks. <laughs> next week we're doing drag and drop. <laughs> Like it's unbelievable! Like oh, it's great. I love those people. That you gotta get that ad revenue. So That's you got. You you gotta hit that eight minute mark and get that ad revenue. Yeah. Oh, do you remember when it was ten way back when? Oh, oh those the, were the times. The extra work we had to put in. Whole Good extra Lord. two minutes of work to get that. Extra we had to say ad. goodbye at the end of a video. <laughs> and then um, I will say I miss you guys as outros. I know I, I know why you guys end the videos very abruptly now because it's it's better for watch time. I know that. Yeah. But I'm sad because I don't get the thanks for watching and you know. Pachiti swinging his head. Don't forget to hit subscribe and join us. I was, I, I missed that. I was but impressed I get with how how much people got into the battle to get me an outro. Be, yeah, be, just that was be, the whole thing. Because I only said it. It's just like a like a, a lot of the, the nonsense I spit out is just sort of off the cuff. Where I just went, oh, I don't have an outro. So here's Adam Pachiti in an ill-fitting t-shirt. Oh, I loved that. And, oh my god, <laughs> and it just, I remember that. It just stuck, and then suddenly there was <laughs> like it was such an ill-fitting t-shirt. They were all they were all like they were just funny outros. They were all oh, just bless like Mafu in the comments below. <laughs> oh, Mafu, bless him. He was just like I don't have an outro. Here's Mafu looking terrified. <laughs> I'm unlocking some memories for people right now. And oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very proud that, that a, a massive, through massive fan support, I got an outro before they went away. <laughs> but ultimately, I um, so I started. I, I taught myself to make videos through that, and I started uploading them, and they were quite bad. Some of them are privated now because they're just so terrible. I was just like, I, I, it's not that I'm ashamed of them. It's more just it doesn't reflect the content that I make yeah. now. And I'm a big believer, and this is something that a lot of people kind of don't realize when they're just one person on a YouTube channel. If someone finds your video and recommended, and it's one of your early videos where you're wooden and you you don't really enunciate very well or you're very quiet or your audio quality is bad or your video quality is bad if they watch that video and it's the first one they see of you they're subconsciously going to remember your name mm. and they're going to never show any interest in you ever again they might see one of your new videos and recommended and be like I've, I've seen an ace train Liam video they're not very good and that's it you only get one chance to make a first impression most of the time so you always so want to be on the on the 
good yeah. on your best foot, don't you? Best so, so if there's any content that I feel doesn't reflect the content that I make now or doesn't reflect what I consider to be a decent, decent enough quality, then I do remove it. Apart from one that will we can always talk about either now or another time, which is just, I hate the video, but it's my most Let's popular Let's talk video. about it now. Oh, okay. Top five saddest goodbyes in the Pokemon anime. It's a bad video from start to finish. And, and there's a few reasons why. First mm. of all, it's early March 2015 Ace Trainer Liam. It's like my fourth or fifth video I've ever made. It's garbage. Um, I'm wearing a very ugly polo shirt that back then I absolutely loved. It was my only designer shirt. Now, if I if I could buy it back, you're, I hear you typing. <laughs> I can hear you. I, I, I know your game, mate. I don't, That's... don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> and um, so I'm wearing this horrible shirt, which if I had it in my hands right now, I would light a match inside my own house just to get rid of it. Um, and my, I've just got my old look from when I worked at the opticians where, where my, my hair swept over. I've, I've done my beard in a weird pencil design that doesn't quite suit me. Had a dense I, fog rolled in before you started recording as well. This is another one. <laughs> The room is so dusty, it looks like it's snowing. There are comments on the video like, why is it snowing in your house? I hate it. That's not snow, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. That's my skin. That's that's the remnants of my skin for the past month, just oh, floating in the atmosphere. Because mate. I'm using a window for lighting. What's wrong with me? Oh. I'm using a window to let the light in. The The camera is positioned completely wrong, so there's like six foot of, of wall above me. <laughs> there's um we couldn't i i couldn't afford to get matching wallpaper so there's a random strip of white wallpaper i thought that was by design no that was by by poverty (laughs) (laughs) oh i've come so far (laughs) um but my delivery's wooden and you can tell I'm, a, I'm just a deer in the headlights. And the worst part is the original version of that video, which was uploaded a little bit before, got a copyright claim by Showpro, who was the company that o- the Japanese company that owns the the Pokemon anime. And they didn't like that I used um, un- like clips of the episode Bye Bye Butterfree, which is number one in, in the list. Spoiler alert, just for those who are so keen to watch it. I mean, it makes me like less than a penny for every like 20 million views now. So don't worry about it. <laughs> um <laughs> But it, um, because of that, I decided, oh, I really, I really want to up this video, upload this video, though, because at the time I really like it. So what can I do? There's a section of the video where that footage should have been, where I've just put in big letters, and I think I've used, like, the Pokemon font or some horrible, ugly font that I've made to... I've given the, the yeah, stroke. Yeah, it's a of yellow, font. yellow font with a blue border. Tom, it's a graphic behind nightmare. Behind a green background. It's always oh, a lot. It's a lot going on there. And it's... it just basically says, "I wanted to show footage of Bye Bye Butterfree, but I got a copyright claim, so this will have to do." <laughs> like, <laughs> it's terrible. So there's just so much bad with it. But it's my, it's my most viewed video of all time. Yeah, over three. Mi- in fact, over over three million, nearly three and a half million views. There was there was comments left this week. On that oh, video. I hate that. But no, they're, and but they, they're not nasty comments. They're 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 Pokemon fans yeah, saying I know. that made me cry. Oh my god, that made me cry. Oh my god, Legends cried when Brock left. Like it's they're real. Like they're comments know, from. It's, it's so sad though fans. because I'm so disappointed with the quality of that video, and I hate that that's people's first impression of me. But people are still enjoying it, which is a good thing. But at the same time, I'm like, I want my other videos to get 3.5 million views. You know, I want the stuff I'm making now that I'm so incredibly proud of. The, the YouTube world has changed quite a lot, and I Massively. think a lot of content creators. Um, I mean, we 
we've had similar things behind the scenes at our place. It's it's no secret that we've we've stopped graded and and uh, the WTF moments because the be, because people weren't watching and the, the engagement was down, so it became a, sort of financially un, unviable to I, make those videos. I sympathise with you guys so much. Like you, you don't like. I, I don't feel like you guys. Well, obviously, because we've this is the first time we've talked properly. But um, like, don't fully understand just how much I, I sympathise with you guys or empathise, whichever one's the right one, with <laughs> uh, you guys having to stop those series, even though you don't want to, because they're they're not financially viable because people aren't watching them. Because the worst part is, like, I I, um, I used to do Let's Plays on my channel. Um, like, I'd do four videos a week, and three of those videos would be Let's Plays, because it's kind of easy content. You can bang out a few in one session. Um, very simple editing, if any at all. Um, but about 1,000 or 2,000 people would watch them, compared to, like, 60,000 that would watch one week's episode of, of Pokemon WTF Moments. Thanks, Ross. Um, <laughs> and so... Like, Is this where I, you admit that WTF Moments comes from, Ross? I admitted it in the first episode. I Excellent. said it's an homage to Cultaholic, and I very much will vouch it, till the ends of the the earth that Cultaholic's my favourite channel, so in guys, the go In the same it. way that No Way Sis outlasted Oasis. Exactly. <laughs> WTF Moments on a Strader Liam's channel outlasts... WTF moments on I've, I've got I've not got quite as many episodes yet but I'm I'm working on it I'm working on it but I, but, um, but I, but I like it's it's the, the premise of it is still really good and <clears throat> the way that you implement it is your own way and I'm always like like for God's sake I've got no room to talk this is a rip off of Desert Island Discs <laughs> of course. I, I, I've got no room to talk and I always say to people a few people have messaged saying oh can I do Desert Island graps with people and I was like why do you I always say look if you're gonna do it fine. It's not mine to, to, to keep, but kind of put your own I, spin I on do, it. I have battled with a lot, um, not reaching out to Ross to be like, yo, do you, do you mind if I do this? Because there was, I was always torn because part of me is like WTF moments, like in general, like this was a WTF moment, isn't like it wasn't first coined Ross, Ross, Ross you know didn't I mean? invent the words WTF. The, the concept, yeah, exactly. And I, I, mm. but that to, to when I when, if I think of that, I'm always like, yeah, but that sounds a little bit a little bit arsy, doesn't it? But then at the same time, I'm like, part part of me felt like if I did reach out to him, either a he wouldn't see it because he's a very popular internet personality, one of the most popular that I'm aware of. So he might not even see it. And how long do I wait before I go? He's not responded, and then mm. sit and think, do I then go ahead or do I not go ahead? And I, I sat on it for about a year as well. I, like, I, I thought the idea, told my girlfriend Sophie about it, and she even designed like the logo, the, the WTF Pokemon logo and everything for it, months, maybe even a year before I even started actually finally going ahead and uploading the videos for it. But I do remember, I, I do sit there and I think, should I, have, should I have reached out to Ross? I know he'd have appreciated it, but part of me just thinks, would he have seen it? And then part of me's like, well, it's too late now. And if he if he's seen it and thought, wow, look at this rip off guy, then that's the opinion he'll have now. But I, Ross isn't that kind of guy. From the impressions no. that I get, Ross is very very lovely, and I very much look up to him. And I'm sure he's fine with it. But I did go very much back and forth, like, should I ask? Should I not ask? If I ask, am I just going to look stupid? Because it's like, dude, it's no issue. It's, it's just it's YouTube. Everyone copies everybody. I, I, he's he's a sort of guy that if you did reach out even now and just say look I do this series and I'm very inspired by what you do and I went back and forth about asking you about it or telling you about it he's a cool guy yeah he, he very really much is. reminds me of my, my friend Matt who's my my only like 
I don't want to say my only IRL friend because all my friends that I talk to online on a regular basis that are scattered around the country are IRL friends that I do see when conventions happen and when the world's open. But my friend Matt is someone who I've watched every wrestling pay-per-view with for the last like four or five years. I've known him since I was in nursery school. So I've known him for like 29 years. And um, maybe maybe less. Yeah, Yeah, maybe about 28, 27. But he is the same demeanor as Ross. Very, very funny. But very, very humble and very, very calm as well. Mm. And like, if he wants to, if he wants to play up something, if he wants to be a bit more animated, he can be. But when the when cameras are off or when there's nobody else about and it's just you and him, it's very, very chill, very, very just, just calm and just. I, I, I can't think of another word than calm, but just like just very um, s- not stoic because stoic suggests that like emotionless, but just happy, yeah. just happy existing. He didn't need to be the center of attention. Yeah. And sometimes would just rather not be. Yeah. Like like my friend Matt, bless him, will just let me talk and talk and talk and, and make jokes and and just banter and banter and banter and talk for ages. And then we'll just give like a Dr. Hibbert kind of a <laughs> kind of giggle. And that's his entire contribution. And he's happy with that. And I, I just feel like Ross is very much in the same vein as, as my best friend Matt. Just just so chill and just very easy to talk to very easy to be around and doesn't let things you know obviously like like all of us he struggles with the mental health and some things ultimately get to you but day to day just doesn't really let life bother him that much and i really appreciate like i really like um relate to that when it comes to your channel uh you've been doing this now for many many years and you've been through uh, lots of trials and tribulations with with the channel we talked briefly about like how graded has changed and how people sort of were concerned that it was always oh, the channel going it's like no we're just we're, we're adapting and improving and and what have you adapted to over the last five years and how have you adapted what you do uh, i think it's mainly um what a lot of it is adapting to um is adapting to the way my mental health has affected the channel so i used i started off doing list videos so top 10 favorite pokemon top 10 pokemon of this type lucky for pokemon there's 18 types so if you want to do top 10 favorite water pokemon you've then got a guaranteed 17 other videos people will be interested in yeah um but I started doing those and then I incorporated the Let's Plays just because suggestion from viewers was, I'd love to see you play through this Pokemon game, maybe randomize what Pokemon appear. And I started doing those, but then it got to a point where my my mental health, because I suffer with depression, got really on top of me. And I lost kind of the motivation, or not even the motivation, because I wanted to make the videos, but I lost the luster to actually get up in front of the camera and do it. Um, and to sit out and plan them and write like the bullet points of the list of what I want to say. And I, I kind of... S- fell off doing top tens and ended up just doing only let's plays every single day which really burnt out a lot of viewers because that's not what they signed up for so i started to i didn't lose viewers but i i lost the momentum that we had so the channel ground to a halt and then i started to bring in start to try things out with new series occasionally bring in top tens back but they then didn't perform as well as they had in the past because almost like people who wanted top tens had found other channels that do them and had gone, well, I don't I don't need that fix anymore because someone else is doing it and they're actually consistent. So I kind of battled with that. Came up with the idea of um, Form Fight, which was where I compare two Pokemon from like the same evolutionary family uh, or two Pokemon that have two different forms. Look at the differences. And then just for a laugh, we have uh, a battle where only the move Metronome can be used. So they just pick any random move and we see which one ends up winning. And that gained in popularity quite a bit. But again, my mental health got on top of me and I started to really fall out of love with the series. It became very formulaic. 
I got very bored of making it. And it was one of those where this was where I was saying before about empathizing with you guys having to stop the videos, um, the, the WTF and the graded. I, I empathize with that because I had the exact, well, not the exact same thing, but I had a, a similar scenario where I wanted to stop making Form Fight, but it was my most popular series on the channel. And I knew I was going to upset people by not making it anymore. But I was like, if I have to force myself to keep making it, the quality is going to get worse because people can tell when a YouTuber is not happy. Yeah, people can tell when a YouTuber isn't interested in what they're making. And I didn't want to be one of those YouTubers that just makes things. Because I get accused all the time of people that don't, don't like me, such as the nature of being a YouTuber, is you're only in it for the money. You're only in it for the views. And I think if ever there's a caveat to say that I'm not in it just for the money and the views, it's a big part of it. And they're not mutually exclusive. You can be in it for the views and for the passion because... Mm -hmm especially when it's your full-time job. Um, big caveat is I took my most popular series and stopped making it because I just wasn't happy making it. And I could have made more money by carrying it on potentially, but I just didn't want to. But the turmoil you go through knowing you're going to disappoint like thousands of people without swelling my head. You know, I knew there were thousands of people that would watch it every week. The, the analytics said so. And I knew people were going to be disappointed, but... I just couldn't carry on with it. And that got the same with Let's Plays recently. I saw that Let's Plays were only getting 2,000 views a video compared to WTF. And uh, this is circling back to where we were before, where um, I, um, I I realized getting rid of the Let's Plays, I, I thought, I got it in my mind that the Let's Plays were the reason my channel were perf was performing badly because I was getting a 60,000 video out, uh, view video out, then a 2,000 view Let's Play, then a 40,000 view video, and then a 2,000 view Let's Play. And I think the YouTube algorithm looked at that and went, this channel's not very consistent with its mm. videos, so don't push it out as much. In hindsight, I think that's absolutely correct because I stopped doing Let's Plays. I went down to a three video a week schedule and suddenly my views skyrocketed. And I, I went from like, you know, 120,000 subscribers to 163 or four, very close to now, in, in the space of a matter of months. And I definitely think that was the right decision. But I know there were people that tuned in to my channel just for the Let's Plays. There's a few, only a few, but that would be the only content that they watch. And I knew they were going to be disappointed. And I knew I was going to have to upset them. There's people that watch every piece of content I watch, but also love the Let's Plays and would be disappointed to see them go. And I knew that was going to upset them. And I didn't want to upset anybody. No. But it's one of those where you have to you have to do what's best for the channel as a whole to survive because I've got to do this. This is my job and I've got to do this and I want to do this for as long as I possibly can. Because the minute it ends, I'm going back to McDonald's and I really don't want to go back to McDonald's if I can help it. If I can have a job where I work from home and people tell me all day about how much they loved what I make and how entertaining it is, I want to do that until the day I die. But if I'm going to do that, I have to adapt, I have to change like you say. And that's why the channel has kind of metamorphosized over the years to what it is today. And I've kind of found my stride with WTF where it's it's the first series, I think, where I fully get to showcase my personality. The dry, cynical, pessimistic, picks fault with everything, Ace Trainer Liam. That's just who I am. And I finally have a series where people go, like people who watch me on Twitch obviously know me like this. And they say all the time, it's great to see you doing a series where you can fully be yourself. Instead that's, of that's trying to rein compliment. it back and be PG. And yeah, it, it's, it feels fantastic to hear people say that. Because like even with one of my other series, Metromania, which is another reason why I got rid of Form Fighters, because I also have another series that is purely just metronome battles. Because one of the one of the key pieces of feedback I got with Form Fight is comments like, who else skips all the, all the stats stuff and all the detail stuff and just skips to the battle? 
like this comment and hundreds of people like it. And I was like, well, if they just want metronome battles, I'll do a series where we do it as a tournament, which is what Metromania is. And people love that. Although that's dropped off in popularity lately. And I'm debating with that. Do I drop Metromania from my weekly rotation and then do form for, uh, do WTF twice a week? So I can get through the series quicker because there's a thousand plus episodes of Pokemon. So it's going to take me 20 years if I'm doing it weekly. <laughs> and you've got to say there's enough source material for you to do that oh, for ages. There's so, so much. I've got so much material with it. And it's one of those where I'm just weighing it up. I'm thinking of making Metromania a yearly thing. So have it start at such a time that allows it to end with the last one being WrestleMania weekend. I mean, Maybe. yeah, that's I mean, in my head, because th then it's the you... best of both worlds. Yeah, you pick up a little it's, bit it of that WrestleMania. It helps the algorithm because you get more WTF, but then at the same time, people who like Metromania still get it once a year for 15 weeks. Mm. But we'll see. There's a, there's a, it's a constant, um, it's a constant thing that you're always working through. And you mentioned there how sort of you're changing it based on sort of reactions to comments. And and do you find yourself in the comments a lot? And and if so, how do you how do you do that? <laughs> because I, I I as somebody like for, my background is is radio. And the, the only real gauge that we would get as how well we were doing was every quarter we'd get listener figures. So at ah. least so, so four times a year, I could stress about, I'm probably not good enough, I should go and be a postman. Whereas now the blessing is it's every day. I can think I'm not good enough and I should go and be a postman. But how do you cope with like, with, with obviously some, obviously having no feedback is, is bad, but like, are you Having able instant to instant feedback is yeah are you able to sort through that mentally and compartmentalize what's good feedback and what's bad feedback it very much depends on the day like you and me both know youtube comments are absolutely toxic like mm. they're they're some of you will find some of the best and worst examples of humanity in the youtube comments i, I stand by that and it's very difficult because it is it's it's a basic marketing principle in that every if if someone has a good experience they'll tell three people if someone has a bad experience they'll tell 13 and that very much relates into youtube comments in the in a similar fashion in three people that have a good experience will leave a comment 13 people that have a bad experience will leave a comment and mm. it's just sorting through i i have to be in the right mindset because it can it can make or break a day of work for me and i don't want to give trolls the power i don't want to give negative people the power to think oh i can really disrupt this guy's life if i want to but it's just a matter of fact that some days i'll look in the comments because i want to see how my videos are doing i also want to engage with my viewers because a it lets the people leaving nice comments know their comments are being read I i'm not just a person on a screen i'm a person who is making this for you and i want to thank you for taking the time out to watch it and i want to be in there also it helps the youtube algorithm if i am replying to comments i'm pretty sure because that's engagement and conversation happening about a video but at the same time you could be scrolling through great video liam oh you really pointed out some funny points that i didn't realize about this video this this episode of pokemon is really broken it's ridiculous that you could use a an electric type move on a ground type how stupid um, and then you'll scroll past it and you'll see this guy's stupid. Look at his stupid face. Look at his dirty mm -hmm. beard. He looks like, insert any word that means sex offender. He looks like this. He looks like that. And you're just like, you know, it's people who are sad and miserable and don't have anything better to do with their life. And they have to drag other people down to make themselves feel better. They don't feel good unless they're saying something horrible that they think will upset someone. And you do grow a thick skin as you go through. Um, you, you learn not to let it bother you but it bothers you 
Yeah. And you never, you can never deny that it does bother you. And the sad thing is, is they, the people know this and they know that they have that power to take your mood and crash it to the bottom of the earth. And some days I love looking through the comments and other days I'll get like two comments in and I'll go, I don't even know if I want to make anything today. And that's bad because I know then I'm behind schedule like I always am, but my mood's killed and all I want to do is just lie in bed and feel rubbish about myself or, or distract myself by going out somewhere, maybe taking the dog for a walk. And, but then that adds to my own stress because then it's like, okay, I've got a deadline to get a video out and I know it's going to be late this week, which I've been really bad for lately, but I try my best to read the comments if I can. I just, it's, it's hard sometimes because like you say, for every, for every three good comments, there's 10 to 20 negative comments, which shouldn't affect you. But when there's 20 of them that you're reading all in a row, it starts to break through the armor, you know, much in the same way that a bulletproof vest will only help you for so long before the Kevlar gives way and isn't giving you the full protection. I went through a phase where I I would see negative comments and I'd respond. Mm. And and more often and, and I don't know what I and I and I don't know what I was hoping would be the achievement here because one of three things inevitably happened. Either nothing, the person in question wouldn't reply. Either they would reply and double down and go, well, you shouldn't be so sensitive. You're, you're, you're crap at your job. Yeah. You know, be better. Or you'd go, oh, God, you read the comments. I'm so sorry. I've just had a really bad day. Please forgive me. It's been awful. I've been struggling. And you're just like, well, I don't feel better for any of these. Yeah, it's very I much one of those better where... For any. For the for the little sense of ha, I corrected that guy. Like, because sometimes people will correct me. A good example is um, for corrections, which are very simple. Comments. There's nothing wrong with correcting someone if you think they said something wrong. But there's an episode of uh, Pokemon called Mister Mime Time, and in the title card for the episode, it says it's Mister Mimey Time, and very simple, no no biggie. But I said that that was a WTF moment because it's a typo. A lot of people have corrected me or tried to correct me by saying no no no, Ash Ketchum's mum calls Mr. Mime, Mimey, and that's why it's Mr. Mimey time. But that doesn't explain, and this is the correction I then give people, why does Veronica Taylor, the voice of Ash Ketchum, read it out aloud as Mr. Mime time, not Mimey, and why does the Pokemon TV website, the official website with all the episodes on it, have it listed as Mime time and not Mimey time? It's clearly a typo, Mm -hmm. it's okay that it's a typo, but you don't need to correct me to say it's not because I know I'm correct. But then for all the people, I've, I've done that once or twice. I've replied to someone like that. And I sit there and for that feeling for a split second of going, ha, I showed you, you didn't because they don't care. No, <laughs> they've bit. corrected you. They're right in their mind. And that is all that matters to them. You're not going to, you're not going to suddenly turn them around. It's very rare that you'll, you'll reply to a negative comment and actually get the person to go hands up. Fair enough. I was in the wrong. Sorry, mate. Hope you feel better. And even when you do, even you don't when feel they better. Do, you don't feel better. It's like cutting down a whole tree to make a matchstick. Yeah. Like you, you, you do, still can... feel begrudged that they even said it in the first place because then you're like, well, why did you even comment then if you're just going to back down so easily? That kind of thing. Like, yeah. Doesn't you don't feel better. You don't gain anything by by interacting with trolls. It's very much uh, not even trolls because some people are just like I say. Some people just have legitimate criticism and that's okay. But you some still people, gain nothing by replying. Some people and some people are just naturally abrasive, and that's their default. A few people I spoke to just go, oh, I'm just, just I haven't, quite an abrasive person. I haven't managed to actually practice this yet, but I want to get into the routine of only replying to positive comments because yeah. some people I've had this before as well, where someone has commented negatively, like. This guy looks like he hangs around schools at night or whatever. <laughs> Go to British insult. Mm. Um, 
And I've replied with like, well, actually, I'm, you know, I'm in a happy relationship living with my girlfriend. We've got my two dogs. I'm not actually, I really don't like children at all. So I'm the furthest person that would ever be near children. Thank you very much. I don't like going near them. I don't like them being around me. Maybe it's a phobia. I don't know if that's strong, but I just don't, I just feel uncomfortable around them. I don't want to be near them. They very much irritate me and make me angry. Um, And they were like, sorry, mate. I was only saying it so you'd respond. And I hate that yeah. so much because I'm like, why make, why try and upset someone just so they respond? Say something nice. So part of me is like, if I only reply to the positive comments, maybe people who I constantly ignore will be like, maybe I should say something nice to him. He seems to reply to the nice people. Don't know if that'll work, but <laughs> I think I think a lot of people are just in their own bubble, and I don't think yeah. they really. A lot of times, people will write something that will take thirty seconds to to put out and then they'll move on to something else it's, it's easy to see um it's easy to see youtubers and we say this all the time it's easy to see people in youtube videos as just a tv show or just someone on the screen that has no feelings or no emotion behind them yeah they're just a character that they're playing and god this really is like therapy this is like <laughs> i watched the pachiti episode i've watched it loads of times and i remember how therapeutic that was for him but it really is i, I should have done this months ago <laughs> <laughs> i should start charging really yeah absolutely it's it, it goes it's eve it goes either therapy or fangirling or a bit of therapy followed by fangirling or fangirling for a, followed by therapy. I mean, I said before we started that I'm the one fangirling. I'm, oh, I'm fangirling today. I I'm on my favorite like my favorite YouTube channel's podcast feed right now. I'm on it. Like this has been a roller coaster. Yeah, I like I like Conrad Thompson as well. Because <laughs> like I, I I've been this year I've been in a video game like my favorite video game of all time. I'm in it, which is a remake of my favorite video game of all time. I've been in Botchamania, which is a series I've been watching since I was in college in like yeah. 2007, 2008, which is just mind blowing. Thank you again, Mafu, for even even speaking to me. And like, and now I'm here on Desert Island Graps with the the, the illustrious Tom Campbell, who it's un- unbelievable. Like, it's incredible. I like. I'm gonna just derail this for a slight moment, just to say thank you so much to Cultaholic for everything that you do, but also specifically everything you've done for me. Because I think it's ever since Halloween last year, I cosplayed as Adam Pacitti because I was feeling really lazy wearing my Cultaholic shirt that I'm wearing right now because I'm nice. on brand. I'm wearing my uniform. And he turned up with the Cultaholic crew and was just giving me, lo- you know, ribbing me and being like, just get good because I was playing it through new and tasty, incidentally. <laughs> and since then, loads of people from the Cultaholic community, like Obscurity and like Big Papa Potts, I think, came from Cultaholic. They've all been very lovely and ingratiated themselves into my little community. And since then, I've been raided by by you, by Adam, by uh, uh, Jack and Owen. Uh, just, uh, I think, I think Andrew may have raided me once. I feel like if I'm forgetting anyone, I'm so sorry. But I've just been, I've just been given so much love by Cultaholic as a channel, which, as my favorite YouTube channel that I watch every single day, is mind blowing to me. And I just, I, I really appreciate you guys for all the support. Like, it's, it's Bless really you, cool. And just, I'm, I'm thankful to even, I'm thankful to even be talking to you guys, to even have you guys, like, it, it's really weird. Because, like, when someone says, oh, I wish Ace Trinaline would follow me on Twitter, I'm always like, it's not that deep. It's a Twitter follow. But seeing each of you guys pop up in my, in my, Tom Campbell is following you. Adam Pachit is following you. I'm just there like, what is this? What is happening? <laughs> ben Potter from Triple Jump is here as well. It does come, it does come with paranoia because I'm a very paranoid person. So part of me is like, what are they all saying about me? Do they talk about me? <laughs> there must have been a discussion at some point because they've all discovered yeah, who I am. Yeah, we're slagging you off. I mate. dread to think. Look at how much does this guy weigh? <laughs> <laughs> what a callback! <laughs> right, hundred points, ten, hundred points to Gryffindor. Oh. No, honestly, it's it's just 
we recognise how bloody brilliant you are and curse us for wanting to support that. It's just amazing. And so have a lovely go. chat. F- fangirling over. <laughs> so many people right now watching this have either were, were, were all right with me going in, like, this guy seems interesting to now. I've lost all respect for you. Good Lord. Oh, but no. <laughs> Emperor's new clothes. I'm, I'm walking through the streets now, just starkers. <laughs> Not yet. Wait till, wait till Monday. We can go inside pubs. That'll be oh, fine. I can't then. wait. <laughs> oh, by the time this comes out, we're already in pubs. Hey, that's great news. It felt, I felt full of joy yesterday. When all that stuff came down, at time of recording, this is the day after Boris has announced the roadmap out of lockdown. And I didn't realise until then how much I'd miss going to the cinema. Oh, I know. Do you know what? That was you the know? bit that got me. Because, like, for the amount of free time I do get, because I feel like I'm, I'm always neck deep in work. But I, it's, it's my own fault because I choose to be a full-time YouTuber and stream mm. 20 hours a week. And then on my days off, I'm working trying to play catch up, catch up because I... I get myself behind schedule because I'm an idiot, but also because my mental health affects me and that derails a lot of things, which I think a lot of people can relate to. But going to the cinema was very much like, I will I will take a day off from streaming for me and my good lady to go to the cinema to see mm. all kinds of movies. Obviously, that's what you do at the cinema. <laughs> um, but like, I'm describing the cinema to anyone that's never been. My, what did you do at the cinema? <laughs> can I bring my dog? We, we used to go to the talkies. Um, <laughs> but, Is it like yeah, a large that, Nickelodeon? It's something that we've really missed. Like the, the last thing we saw at the cinema, um, I believe was Sonic the Hedgehog. Same. And that was the last film I went it, to before the world shut down. Whilst it was a fine movie. Oh no, actually no, during lockdown, when they had that little bit of reprieve from lockdown, we went to see a, a reshowing of Nightmare Before Christmas, which is oh. like our 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 love movie where we sit and sing along. And we went to see it once at Prince Charles Theatre in um, Leicester Square, which is a lovely little theatre that plays old movies all the time. Often has uh, Tommy Wiseau there from The Room watching The Room, which is bizarre. Really? He just yeah. walks up? I need to, I need to go there one time they they have him quite often just tommy wiseau will go there and watch the room <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> which of course of course he does tommy wiseau of all people watching his own interesting movie hey look he's, um, got, to learn, he's got to learn from the best exactly so he watches his movie back <laughs> i did not hit her um <laughs> so i so that was our big thing is going to the cinema every so often and we just not being able to do it during lockdown has been killing us because we work from home. We get everything delivered. That was our, that's our going out time. Mm. That That's what changed for us in lockdown. We're very privileged in the sense that not a lot changed for us when lockdown happened because we still worked from home. We still you know, got all of our stuff delivered by Amazon Prime and by Asda delivery because why pay for a taxi to Asda when you could just pay £3.50 for it to deliver? Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, our only exercise was going out and walking the dogs. And now it's like, we can't even go to the cinema. It's been horrible. Like, just even just losing that. So for us, getting the cinemas back has been the big go-to for us. Like, that's the big heave-ho, let's go. Things are getting back to normal. Round two of vaccination incoming. And that's Absolutely. what we need. That's what I think. I think it was just a nice reprieve. I think going inside to drink is nice. I don't get me wrong. I don't mind having a pint of Nuki Brune in the pissing rain. That's fine. But I would quite like it near a log fire now. I think Abs- that's all absolutely. I really want. All that's I really a, want. That's all we want. Just the simple things. Like so, yeah. Sophie's very much been like feeling the cabin fever of being cooped up because I'm I'm locked in my office for most of the day making videos, scripting and doing everything. <laughs> and um and she'll she'll be downstairs working on a cosplay, looking after the dogs, uh, you know, keeping everything nice and clean, making sure the house doesn't fall apart. Um also just doing graphic design work freelance because that's what she does. But um 
she can find herself very isolated and cooped up because when you're not talking to anyone for hours on end, it can get like that. So it's nice that we're going to be able to set aside those date nights and get out and go mm. to the cinema. We've been obviously having movie nights and things occasionally, like we'll just take a night off from work and watch a movie, but it's not the same. It's not getting out of the house. You're still in the living room watching it on the same size TV. Um, you very much have helped with your with last year with your don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's greatest hits. That's like Sophie's mantra at this point. Oh wow! Thank so you. thanks on on her behalf because she's very much um, she needed that. She had a, her anxiety got to like the worst I've ever seen it last year because you know during lockdown and whatnot uh, we, we ended up at Derby Hospital with it and whatnot. It was a very scary time, um, but stuff like that, things like that, that simple message from you very much has helped Sophie. And lockdown ending is going to be a blessing for her. And that's that's the most important thing to me, I think, is seeing the effect it's going to have on Sophie more than anything. Like, give, you know, buggery what happens to me. I don't I don't really care in the grand scheme of things, but she's the important one in in the pairing. And I can't wait to see her starting to feel a lot, lot better because we can do normal things again. Why? You, you are important, though. You know that, don't you? Oh, I, yeah. 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 Don't worry. Don't worry. This isn't okay. me going. I, I never look after myself because like, I, I you often got to look like after that. number one. I often talk like that. And, and I, I'm aware that it comes from a place from myself of quite low self-esteem. So that's why I wanted to check with you. Of course. Like, I, I very right. much like a mantra for me. I appreciate you checking because uh, <laughs> I, I can come across very brash and very self-centered. And that probably comes from a place of insecurity. But for me. A mantra that I live by, and I encourage a lot of people to do, because a lot of people worry about their friends, they worry about their loved ones, they 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 worry about their partners at the expense of themselves, and I can see why, given what I just said, you would come to that conclusion. I always say that, well, I don't always say it, but one of the things that I say to myself all the time is, if you don't look after number one, who's going to be here to look after number two? Mm. Which... And number one being yourself, you know, and number two being literally anybody else. If you're not taking care of yourself and if you're not focusing on yourself and being a little self-centered from time to time and looking out for your best interest, how can you possibly be of any benefit to anybody else? Because yeah. it's like it's like trying to fix a car by putting in a broken engine. Mm. It's not going to it's not going to go any faster. It's not going to be any more reliable. If you if you can tune up that engine before you put it in the car, like look at me talking like I know anything about mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> the man who just said, "Oh, I, could, I don't want to get a taxi to Asda." I yeah, assumed right. you wouldn't know anything about cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, because when I when I bought my, I recently bought a car this year, thanks to the the privilege of WTF moments taking off a little bit. Um, I, I was able to buy a, a, a little cheap runabout because I don't care about cars. I'm not. I'm, I'm. You know. I'm not stereotypical. You have to know about cars if you have that particular genitalia. Um, I, I very much just like if it's a hatchback and it moves, I'm, I'm down as long as it's cheap to run, um, as long as it's got free road tax. And uh, so I literally looked up a car. I've, I've, I've bought cars in the past before and I, I know the rigmarole of you look at it, you pretend you know what you're talking about while this guy lies to you about how energy efficient it is and how good it runs and how well af looked after it's been. And you just go, yeah, I'll take it. So I just rang up this, this car company. I went, I've seen this Citroen, uh, not Citroen C1, this Peugeot, 107 i want it can you bring it to me i'll pay on arrival and that's what happened <laughs> they just brought my car to me i paid them and said like i don't need to check it just on your way 
I know something's going to be wrong with it in the long run. I know there'll be something you're not telling me about. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it, just like with every car I've ever had <laughs> at this price point. It's fine. And that's that's my attitude to, to cars. Well, how have we got onto this? <laughs> uh, put a bad engine in a car. Yeah, that's like, it. That's right. Yes. Look after yourself. Look so after you yourself after so car. you can look after others. Absolutely. It, it's There's nothing wrong with being self-centered now and again. And it's not being self-centered if you're taking care of yourself. Is, no. Is, the the go-to how do you find uh, the work-life balance because you already worked from home before all of this started like i started working from home just over a year ago and and my work-life balance has just gone to shite it uh, is the like i i understand because i used to think it when i worked in an office that working from home sounds like the cushiest thing you could ever do you don't have to travel so you you're cutting your working day down by one hour, two hours, depending on how far away you work. When I used to work in Colville, it would be two hours of travel every day, getting there and back, depending on traffic. Sometimes three, four, because um, it's the M1 and who knows what's going to happen. Um, and I used to think working from home, you know, you, you cut your hours down. Also, you can make a cup of tea whenever you want. You can work in your pajamas because who cares? Like, it, it's no biggie. Focusing is a very difficult thing like it, it's no surprise that people a lot of people are realizing that they have um adhd or just uh, or just even add because they're, they're realizing that when they're in an environment where they don't have someone barking over their shoulder going this must be done this must be done you've got to do this get this done i'll be i'll be literally walking up to your desk by the end of the day and looking all intimidating if you haven't done what i want you to do you've got this kind of weird freedom and even though you still have deadlines to hit, and even though you still have targets to hit, and you're still supposed to be doing your job, there's this sense of, I'll do that in a minute. Let me just scroll TikTok a bit. I'll do that in a minute. Let me check my mm. Twitter feed. Oh, look, someone's replied. Let me argue with this person about politics that I don't know about or about a vaccine that I don't know anything about because I'm not a doctor, but this person who's also not a doctor is telling me is a problem <laughs> and so-and-so and all that. And it's so easy to get distracted. And I, I do I do find there's probably a lot of people who may think they have ADD because of the way working from home has affected them, but maybe don't have it and are maybe just getting distracted. But there's definitely been a rise in people realizing that they definitely do it's it's lockdown has been horrible i don't i don't discount anybody's experience of lockdown i don't i don't think there's anyone that can safely say lockdown has been fantastic really loved every second of it loved you know loved the lack of freedom and i know that obviously then there's the other end of the coin that are like my freedom end it sooner than we need to <laughs> but also it's just it's been horrible and the work-life balance is almost non-existent like there's a reason that for like i mean i i was bad at this anyway working from home because i was working from home beforehand i always had this habit of i'll get round to this i'll get round to this bad mental health day i'll take the day off and i'll get round to this later i need to look after myself and it's been i i've been like i just need to work solidly for three weeks to get ahead of schedule then i can go to a lighter schedule where i'm just doing what i need to do week to week and I've been saying that for two years now and lockdown absolutely hasn't helped with that because mm. now everybody's cooped up, which means people want to talk more. You're getting more people DMing you because they're not at work with their boss looking over their shoulder. You're there at home. They can do what they want. So other people's distraction then involves itself in your being distracted. So now I have, ev I would say I have even less of a work-life balance. Because there's just, because suddenly everybody, everybody's, everybody's in the, yeah, everyone's in the same boat at this point. I just find that 
what I tend to do is I'll get to, I hear what you're saying when you say like, oh, I'll do three weeks solid and then I'm good for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But that never comes because what happens is when you start to get that lighter schedule, you go, oh, actually I can do a few more of these things. It's so true. And as well, because during the three weeks, if you even, that's if you even make it through the three weeks, Mm. half the time during the three weeks, you burn yourself out and have to take a day, two days of recharge because you just don't have the mental or physical capacity to keep going. No. Because it's people, people discount or not discount because it's one. It's a, it's a state of not realizing, but people don't realize just how much psyching up some of us have to do to turn on the camera and hit record. I have to go through like bear in mind, I've been doing this. I've been in front of a camera for six years now. You think I'd be used to it by now, but I still have to like not necessarily. There's nothing I do. There's no meditation I do. There's no like special mantras or things. But there's a certain amount of psyching up I have to do to hit the record button. And then even after I hit the record button, there's a certain amount of like mental preparation where I have to be like, right, I'm confident to begin now. I can go. The common misconception is that you are who you are in front of the camera all the time. Very much so. It's not the case, is it? We oh, all have I... to turn ourselves up to 11. Yeah, because I'm I... certainly not that. I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed that people think that. I think on the whole, I am. But I've even especially during the last year um we've had some really rough days to mm. report on and it's no and i'm not gonna complain about reporting on bad news when i'm not one in the bad news jeez yeah. I've, i'm what a, what, a, what an awful life he's got to sit in the room and talk about wrestling oh <laughs> please not complaining about that at all very blessed but like there are days where you're just like i oh, just i ain't got the energy for this I ain't got the energy for this, but, but, really... but a video, but I've got to, I've got to watch Raw. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't ever you at all. At no. least I get to watch twenty minutes of Pokemon and then talk about it. You is have that... to watch three hours of Monday Night Raw. Not anymore. Don't stick oh. it graded. Here's the, here's the great part. Here's the funniest part about it because there was when, when we got told that graded and WTF moments were wrapping up. Um, I was at the mic. Like, we, I was told, look, it's with that extra time. What do you want to do? Do you have, you know, because and I've just got this it's a I, I i say it's a book it's a word document and it's full of ideas of like these these are videos i want to make these are videos i want to see come to life and i just i'd love to do more of them you've you know? always struck me as someone who is very creative and like full of ideas like I, i've sat there and been like if tom wasn't doing graded i bet there's like 101 different series he's got on the back burner and i've started go. 30 of them so that's but, good but well, that's been the, but that's been the best part about not so when so when we were told we're not you know we're gonna wrap it up i'm like great because i want to do all these other things and somebody sent me a message saying i'm gonna start a petition to bring back graded and i even said to them please don't because i'm fine never watching raw again <laughs> I am so happy to be able to use that time to make something that I'm and, and not that I was unpassionate about doing graded. I actually I enjoyed I, I enjoyed the solo presenting of doing graded and the and the, the discourse that would come from that as you know, in, I, I, admittedly, the, the worse an episode is, the, 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 the more people enjoy it. But I was so happy to not have to spend you know those hours on a tuesday morning or staying late up on a monday night watching it and then doing that because i've put you know without blowing my own trumpet i'm like geez i can i could give you more than this this is like this is scratching the surface of what we can do and as a channel this is scratching the surface of what we can do and i think and i think that since we stopped doing grade and wcf moments on the weekly 
uh, and making them just pay-per-view formats. I think we've seen a whole whole load of new ideas coming forward. I've, of course, it, it, it means that it means that you're no longer creatively stifled because you're you you kind of with graded as good as it was, and I loved graded. Like it's stuck in. I'm doing this every week, so I can't do any of these. Mm. And because there's only so much, like, there's only so much content you can put out each week before you start burning out the subscribers because they're going, I can't watch all of this, Cultaholic. You're doing too much. Um, we've not hit that point. So, but if we start adding on top of graded rather than instead of, that's when you'll start to hit speed bumps. And also, you'll just burn yourselves out. Yeah. And I think the best advice I could give to anyone that's like, oh, I really liked graded. I'm going to do a petition to bring it back. Don't bother with that. The best thing you can do is go, what are the things on Cultaholic I like right now? And if it's the pay-per-view WTF moments and the pay-per-view graded, or if it's the podcast, or if it's um, what happened to that wrestler, if it's the list videos, if it's the, uh, the like, like any of the content on Cultaholic, make sure every time you watch the video, you watch it from start to finish. Whether you're paying attention, let it play in its entirety. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you leave a comment. Don't leave a comment that says I've left this comment for the algorithm because I've got a sneaking suspicion that YouTube filters out the word algorithm from the yeah. comments that it counts. Say something like I enjoyed this video because they can't filter that out. That, that that's that's feedback. Just say I enjoyed this video because a lot of people say I'd love to comment, but I just don't can't think of what to say. Just say I love this video. I, I enjoyed this video. I watched this channel. Something as generic as possible, and also share that video on Facebook or on Twitter, because YouTube does record where things are shared. And I get this a lot from people when I mention this on Twitch. Oh, I don't I don't have a lot of people that follow me on Twitter, so there's no point in me sharing it. No one's going to see it. That doesn't matter to the YouTube computer system. The YouTube computer system registers, ah, the link to this video has been posted on Facebook. The link to this video has been posted mm -hmm. on Twitter. That means it's been shared. That means people like it, recommend it. Like, share, and comment, and watch in its entirety. If you like a series on Cultaholic, if you like any video on Cultaholic, if you like a channel in general and you want all their videos to do well, do this for all their videos, do those four things. That's the best thing you can do, aside from signing up to the Patreon. But the best free thing you can do is those four things together. Mate, we're supposed to be plugging you. We're I not know here to plug us. God know, bless you. <laughs> God bless it makes, you, mate. It makes me angry because I, I, I suffer through these same things because... This turmoil that I said with Metromania, I've got so many people that come to my channel at the moment and they go, Metromania is my favorite series. And I'm like, well, it doesn't bloody show, I'm afraid. <laughs> like, sure, people are coming to me in my Twitch streams and saying like, like I feel really bad because I have this lovely viewer and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop her called Sophie Jane. She's lovely. She watches all of my stuff. Really, really lovely person. Met her at a, convention, a couple of conventions as well. Really lovely person. Watches all of my content. Loves Metromania. And there's this ongoing meme at the moment where if I ever, if I ever mention that Metromania is kind of going away, she'll put one of my one of my girlfriend Sophie's emotes in the chat, which is our dog Ruby sulking with, with her arms crossed and having a little sulk. And it, because she doesn't want Metromania to go because she, she really, really <laughs> likes it. But it's one of those things where it's like, if I could get everybody to have that attitude to Metromania and to start watching it in its entirety, liking it, sharing it and commenting on it, maybe YouTube would recommend it to more people. It would get more views and get more views in line with what WTF gets. And maybe I could realistically keep it as a regular thing rather than just re relegating it to once a year. But I just can't because... People aren't doing the engagement things with that video that need that it needs to survive as a series, which is why it breaks my heart sometimes to think that I may have to get to that point where I'm like, that's not a series I'm doing very regularly anymore. That's a one-off thing each year because at least once a year will bring some hype to it probably. 
Like it's it can just be an the event. Nature, it's the nature of the beast. Yeah, the, the, it's, it's like it's not. It's not. I, I don't want people to ever think that it's their their favorite YouTuber or a YouTuber that they watch. I'm not necessarily people's favorite. I'm some people's favorite, but not necessarily everyone's. But it, a YouTuber that you enjoy, it's not that YouTuber going, "Oh, forget all the people that got me to where I am. They don't care anymore." It's me going, "The algorithm's telling me what I need to do to survive as a channel and as a business." And I've got to go with that. And luckily, viewers like Sophie Jane understand that. Like, we've, we've talked about it in depth on, on Twitch streams and stuff. And she's just like, I know why, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to sulk. But I understand it. And I mm. love when people understand it. Because some people get that, yes, this is my passion. Yes, this is my channel. But it's also my job. It's also paying my bills. So I've got to do what's right for it to make it survive long enough to be able to pay my bills. And taxes. Because the tax man when you're self-employed is a nasty man. Oh, he yes. loves taking all my hard-earned money that I worked so hard for. But um, but it's one of those where I just wish everyone would understand. And then because they understand, they then do the things that I desperately need them to do. I've even said to people, if you don't, have a tw if you don't want to have Twitter and you don't want to use it regularly because you think it's toxic, which Twitter can be, it's a really horrible place to be sometimes, but it's great for promotion, make a Twitter account that you exclusively just tweet my new videos to so that they're getting shared. So that the algorithm goes, ah, yes, it's being shared. This is lovely. You can even set up an applet, like like a an if that, then this applet, where when Ace Trainer Liam uploads a new video, it gets auto-posted to this burner Twitter account you've got. That'd be great. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just any, anything to help us in the algorithm. But that's, that's my advice to anybody that's like, oh, there's a series that I love that's ending. Just pay attention to that series. Interact with that series. It's also helpful just for telling the people that made it that I want more of this. I really like it. Too late now. It's too late to say, oh, but I love Graded when it's ending. Yeah. <laughs> because not enough of you have watched it. I, I always I always find it funny how, and, and it, was this, it was the same in my previous job when I worked for Heart, and how when I got let go, I had a... I had messages from, from a couple of people who were like, oh, I've been listening to you for four years. Why, why are you going? I was like, this is the first time we've ever spoke. Like, <laughs> I had no idea you were there. Not that it would change anything, but it's the whole, it's just funny how a lot of people just quietly enjoy something and then only get angry when it's being taken away. Yeah, it's, it's the, sadly, it's the nature of the beast with YouTube. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't see you, I know a lot of people are like, oh, don't, don't plan on YouTube being a long career because it's going to be dead soon. I don't see, I don't see a scenario where that happens. But, no. I, I do see a scenario where it gets harder and harder to compete with the amount of people that join every year. The amount of people who start deciding, who decide, I'm going to do something with this YouTube thing each year, each month, in fact. The millions of people, the, the, the hundreds of thousands of new creators we get every single day. There's going to be a point where YouTube's going to get very, very difficult. And the channels that you like now may be dead in the future if you're not doing just the simplest free of charge things you can do to help those channels survive in the algorithm same this as a call to action <laughs> yeah it's the absolutely. same podcast this like the 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 amount of podcasts that started last year is five times higher than normal simply because everybody's shut in and they've got oh i know i'll do a podcast but the amount of those that will that will stop and drop off after two or three episodes when really it's it's a case of if you you learn what works and you learn what doesn't you know until desert island craps starts tanking we'll keep doing them and in the moment they're doing all right so we'll keep on doing them i mean at least now you finally had the best guest so that's right you know you you've, pe you've peaked now and he was great <laughs> wow <laughs> hey he was he was vocally 
publicly annoyed about the Hell in a Cell on a WWE authorized stream, I'm happy with Sean Waltman being the best. He was. He, uh, How I, do you get DQ in a Hell in a Cell? Freaking dick! Freaking <laughs> Hell in a Cell! I, I mean, you, we've, we've heard it now. My, fa- I, I always, my favorite part of that was we got to talk about X Factor, which is my favorite gimmick from 01. Yo, you're chilling with the X Factor because yeah, everyone says, "Ask him about DX. Ask him about NWO." Well, no, because all those wait. questions have been asked. X Pac, um, um, Albert, and Chaz. Albert. Just incredible. Oh, where did I get Chaz from? I don't know, but I'm now thinking of this weird other version of X Factor <laughs> featuring Mosh from the Headbaggers. Did wait? Did <laughs> did? Okay, this is. I'm, I'm I'm digging in the depths of my knowledge. Did Chaz tag with D'Lo Brown at any point? Yes, they were called That's Lowdown. It. Lowdown. Yes. X Factor. Lowdown. Very similar. The, the best teams. The best teams. Oh. Before we move on to uh, other things on uh, terms of the YouTube subject. So, uh, who on YouTube? Do you do you really enjoy at the moment? Like you've you've been lovely and kind about us, but other content creators that are, that uh, are in your you, subscribe you, ru- you ruined my little. I was going to be like, oh, there's this little known channel called BA, Cultaholic. You've been so nice about us. So <laughs> let's celebrate some other YouTubers that you love the bones off of. I mean, it's on the similar vein to Cultaholic. I absolutely love the lads at Triple Jump. Yeah, like Triple Jump is just easy content to digest um i like ben and peter's very dry delivery like they they have their their theme i guess to their voiceovers which i really love where i mean i don't know if, i don't know if i'm complimenting them or not so i apologize in advance ben and peter but they they sound almost disinterested but in a in a in a humorous way and i think that's what they aim for and it really works and always keeps me entertained and makes me laugh. And just the balance between them is fantastic. Like, I love tuning into their live streams. Just very entertaining lads. Everybody should subscribe to Triple Jump if you haven't already. Um, in terms of, like, general day-to-day, I've, I've always been a big Jax Films fan since Your Grandma Sucks was a big thing. Uh, always very nice when he brings it back as well. Very, very occasionally. And still emphasizes on the title card, it's every damn Friday, even though it can be a year between episodes. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other, other channels that I generally watch. I mean, admittedly, I watch What Culture every day, which is, I say admittedly, like it's a negative thing, but like I still watch, you know, I still watch What Culture because that's obviously I, I found that through. Um, through the boys mm-hmm. back in the day when they were there. Uh, big fan of Simon Miller. Met him once. He's very, very lovely. I, I do appreciate He's Simon a good Miller. egg. Is Simon He's Miller. a very good positive force in the wrestling community that is much needed. Any day where everyone's being super negative about wrestling, I know I can load up Twitter and I'll see a tweet from Simon Miller going, hey, but wrestling's still fun though, right? It's only wrestling. And it's great that we're all talking about it. And that's what I really, I really appreciate. Like I, I strive to have the amount of positivity that you and Simon Miller have. Um... I'm getting there. I'm still cynical. I think I'll always be cynical. I grew I up think in Derby. I, I would be. I don't. I think it's good to have that positive outlook. But I think, as you say, I think a big part of your your the the love for you is your brand, if you will. A big part of your brand, AceTrainerLiam.com, is um is the cynicism is sort of that sort of and, and it, again in sort of similar vein with Triple Jump. I see what you're saying. It's that kind of it, it's the dry that humor. dryness, you know. And I think uh, that you, you, I think you can happily leave like Simon to be positive. It's almost a, um, it's almost like a, like a David Brent kind of thing with Triple Jump. I think there's the, the kind of, I don't, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they've got I that, that kind from. of dry, almost cynicism to it with the way they approach things. I really love it. Like I, I remember watching them play Hogs of War, and I was just captivated listening to them play Hogs of War. Great game as well. 
Um, it's a, there's a great story. I think I might tell the story about the, um, when I met Ben. Because um, long before I was working for Cultaholic, when they were still over the road at the other place, Ben was working there as well. And I used to love what Ben did. And I still do. I think he's brilliant. And um, I realized that he lives in the same area as me. Like he oh. and and so and, and I one one day I I um I was leaving I was coming back from from the shops and he walked past me and I was like oh he lives in the same area and then the one time he walked past me and I went hello Ben he doesn't know me from Adam but I was just like hello Ben <laughs> and then he disappeared from the channel he moved to go and do vidiots down yes. south and he's since moved back up to do triple jump and he's back where he was before back in the same area as me and I walked past him. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> on the on the way back from it was it was the night it was the morning after WrestleMania, and I'd been to do a wrestling show in Leeds followed by a WrestleMania party that finished at six a.m. So we're drinking till six, and I got the train back from Leeds and I stank, and I just looked like a wreck. And I walked past him as I was walking, through, and there he was, and I just went, "Welcome back!" Oh. <laughs> and I thought as I walked away, I went, "Why?" Why was that the thing that I said? Of all that's the things. The creepiest, creepiest thing. Welcome so when back. I Exactly. So when I started at Cotaholic and I saw him, I said, I have to apologize for the first time we met. And I told him the story. And he went, Oh, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's all fine. Since then he's become Pablo's godfather. So of course. <laughs> should we ever be away for a night, he'll come round and How is look Pablo? After just as a tangent. He, he is smashing. I think last time I saw him, he was asleep on the he was asleep on the bed. He t- tends to do that quite a bit. Oh, he loves uh, it. I got all the time in the world for Pablo. Oh, oh, he's. Do you know what? We're, we're very blessed. And cats equal stats, so that's of good, course. isn't it? Cats, cats <laughs> in the algorithm. Cats are great. For, cats are bloody great for the YouTube algorithm. So I'm although, very blessed. Although I will say, good lord, the uh, the reactions where it was almost Animal Farm. <laughs> <laughs> I, See, I didn't mind it. I thought it was wholesome, but I I saw the reaction and was like, "Oh, boys, boys, stop, stop." Yeah, not not Abort not mission. Not you know what? It's sometimes yeah. So we did that video and uh, didn't go down particularly well with the majority of people. But you know what? I would forever rather be the sort of content creator that tries stuff that falls on its ass than never Instead try anything at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't you don't want to do the same tired old thing over and over and no. over again. You want to try different things. And and you've got like it's good that you you guys have the confidence to go, we tried it, it didn't work, sod it. Fair play. Let's keep going. And yeah. that's whereas like other people would take it as a real slight and start questioning all of their content. And it's like, no no no, we just we just had one video that wasn't as received as you know we wanted it to be and that's okay and that's all right sometimes these these but things I, I do remember because that was right that was uh, before elimination chamber or fast yeah lane? um i think fast, fast lane because i wanted lane to... was before mania yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah fast lane it was so i mean it was it was a happy happy accident that pablo became the cultaholic champion anyway i just there was the oh, the constant the constant thing of of pit of predictions videos and going i don't want to just sit in front of a camera and do them i want to try and make them a little bit different each time so the one day i just said i'm just gonna get pablo to do mine instead of course and uh he bloody won didn't he <laughs> blimey amazing As you do. that's a that's a gift that is a gift the king pablo yeah all um, hail just want to touch on one last uh, YouTube channel, which is I'm going to cheap plug a friend of mine because I think he does make really good content. He's mainly on Twitch at the moment. His YouTube channel's fallen a little bit by the wayside because he's focusing more on the streaming side. But it's a lad called Ed, 
my best friend and he runs a channel called game hog games and he's been doing it for years and years and he's i feel like recently he's really finding his footing and they're just really easy streams to tune into so he plays a lot of phasmophobia so if, if you're not into phasmophobia probably not for you but he plays a variety of other games as well and he also much like yourself he used to work in radio i don't quite remember where but he's worked on the radio somewhere so he very much gets the idea of presenting and you you definitely get the vibe that this guy knows how to present um luckily i've managed to get him a few presenting gigs at um events like summer in the city like youtube events so he's been able to present panels and things like that and q a sessions with people to kind of showcase what he can do and it just brings an extra level to streaming when you've got someone who has that presenting background which is probably something you found as well in in streaming and in youtube that it comes a bit more naturally because you're used to presenting on the fly to a live audience it does help it does help i think having that background of presenting and live events and stuff i think it just it's it's a skill set that I think a lot of people there's a lot of people who do YouTube videos that are that are excellently equipped when it comes to editing and, and yeah. creating content that fits an algorithm. Uh, but the, oh gosh, there's some there's some weird voices out there that present videos. <laughs> I, I wish you'd, I wish you'd make some I wish you'd make more YouTube content as well because he is a fantastic editor as well. Like he he's edited in the past for um, I don't know if I can say who, but some of the bigger YouTubers, uh, one of whom very much does the youtube boxing it may be a he, it's oh. a, a, a sinister pair of brothers is what i'm gonna say without oh. saying the names he's, he's done some he editing for... for them every day bro Ah, very good you could say that one one of them he's edited for one one of the two the 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 one that hasn't quite started to do positive things since all those negative things mm. as opposed to the one that has started to do more positive things but did worse negative things you could argue in the past um but yeah he's done a lot of editing work for them but I, he, he's one of those people that's always suffered on youtube i think and on twitch in general by just not being seen it, it's one of those where if someone saw his content i feel like they'd be like this guy's engaging this guy's interesting this guy's entertaining love this i'm i'm a fan now but just for whatever reason, algorithms just haven't been kind to him and just haven't given him, haven't put him in that prominent place in front of people. And it, it's one of those where, like, I, even plugging here, like, shout outs, as, as a YouTuber, I know shout outs generally don't do anything. Because I could say Game Hog Games a thousand times on, on, on this podcast alone, and nobody watching is going to go, I'm going to type that into YouTube and go find this guy. Apart from you, because I can hear you doing it. How dare you? But, um,. It's one of those where shoutouts don't don't work, but I feel like I'd be doing Ed a disservice if I didn't at least mention his channel while talking about channels that I am genuinely a fan of as well. Like I it, think goes, it's it goes beyond to, yeah. being my friend's channel. It, it, it's more because I'm a fan of the content. I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to like promote it. Um, it's very much a case of because there are a lot of people out there where they're really good friends of mine, but I can't say with any honesty that I watch their content regularly. And it's not because it's bad. It's just because it's maybe content that's catered to a different audience demographic that I don't fit into. Yeah. Whereas with Ed, it's content I enjoy, I watch, I like, I, I sit and lurk in his streams while I'm editing my own content and I really enjoy it. And I just feel like it, it's one of those sad things that happens to a lot of YouTube channels and a lot of Twitch channels where sometimes people just don't see them and that's why they don't take off. It's not for lack of talent, not for lack of production quality, not for lack of trying. Like, Ed's got some of the best audio, I would say, on YouTube, which a lot of people don't really care for, but it's something I care about. I get really angry when channels like um, PewDiePie had it for a long time, where there'd be a hiss in the background of his audio continuously throughout his videos. And I'd be like, you have 
at the time like 70 million subs how how is your editor not <laughs> making the audio sound good what's going wrong here <laughs> surely you can afford some equipment to make right? this sound nice but I guess that's one of Ed's benefits of, of being an editor is he knows how to do good audio. He knows how to make things sound professional, I guess. So many people have that, um, have, like I said, that technical nous on YouTube and it's not many mm. that marry the two, start a production and presenting yeah. all in one. So um, it's I'm glad that we gave him a shout for all it's worth. I know you say like it doesn't always hit, hit, hit the mark as we would hope. But if but... five people check him out, I'll be happy. There you go. Five but, people. Um, it's uh, the one piece of advice just based on that, just linking from it, that I give to anyone that wants to start YouTube. Focus on your audio quality first. Yeah. Because if, because people in 2021, they tab out from YouTube videos whilst they're doing other stuff. If something interesting sounds like it happened, they'll rewind the video and they'll watch that bit on the screen. But for the most part, people will tune into YouTube and just listen while they do something else, while they exercise, while they're... I, I listen to Cultaholic Podcasts while I walk the dog because... What else am I going to do? Listen to the sound of the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you've got crisp, clean audio, the experience will keep people on your videos. If you've got constantly over everything, people will tune out and listen to something else because it does it does great. Or they'll choose not to come back subconsciously and it will be that that's done it. I think a lot of people are looking, are starting, you say yourself, a lot of people start YouTube channels every single day. So if anything from this episode, I think they've taken a lot away from how <laughs> to start a channel. Because in terms of YouTube with like 164,000 subscribers, which can fill Wembley and then some, sounds like a lot. But in YouTube in 2021, that is small fish territory. Oh, God, and, yeah. When you've got like the and, big boys at your Markiplier's like so pulling when, in 20 when, odd million. So when people do say, "Will you, what advice could you give to a small channel? I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm still a small channel. I'll tell you when I've made it. <laughs> like, <laughs> But um, I guess in a way I've made it because it's my full time job. But that's something where it's my full-time job but i also have to make sure i'm constantly working otherwise it will drop off um because i've seen my figures fluctuate up and down i've been through the period where people have commented wow this channel's really dead isn't it you know 120,000 subscribers and a thousand views wow this channel's going nowhere anymore and you're like thanks for that not like i'm working my ass off to fix it but i'm still very much in that stage where the channel could get a lot better but it could also tank tomorrow for all i know so it's it's very much like when people are like, oh, small channel. I'm a small channel. What's it like being a big creator, Liam? And I'm like, tell you when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ask look, me in five years. We got to get to your last. Uh, we do. Your I'm last so one. sorry. This has gone on so. Oh no! This, is, this has been what, when these started. They were like thirty minute episodes. Well, that's and... why I'm worried because I remember the the shorter ones. <laughs> Oh, no, if they're short, they've gone wrong. Uh, somebody somebody sent me a message uh, who said, I wish I could remember who said it. And they said, normally, I know if it's a good episode of Desline and Graps if it goes over the hour mark. If it's less than that, I'm uncertain. <laughs> oh, nearly two Audacity's hours. Audacity's at 2.14. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this might, this might be going close to the longest episode that we've done. That's fine. I'm down with that. I'll take, I'll take that distinction. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's funny how it's the, 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 the title, I believe, um, up until this episode finishes, uh, belongs to uh, stand-up comedian Stefan Petty, oh. who was on, and he's a big wrestling fan. On your bike, Stefan. Himself. Hey, st get him going. I, I appreciate how Stefan Petty's a big fan of wrestling, and we talk, uh, and you guys talked a lot about wrestling, whereas I'm a big fan of wrestling, but we've talked about <laughs> anything but wrestling. Well, do, you, do you know what we're going to talk about now? Wrestling. No, oh. I'm going to ask you <laughs> to pick a movie... An album and a luxury item. Why did I forget you. that you do this as well? You, you've literally, you started doing this recently, right? People. 
No, since the very beginning. Oh. Every single well, one since the very bad, beginning. Bad fan this Liam is, is my new This, this is a big, I think this is a big hangover from Desert Island Discs as well. Because I know they do the luxury item thing on Desert Island Discs. Okay, um, well. So a movie, an album, and a luxury item. But this is good, though, because the whole point of this is it's nice to get people's uh, gut reaction to what movie they would take. And what, what I will say, even, even though we have talked about it, this very much beats the generic, why did you start YouTube? How long have you been YouTube? What's it like to be YouTube? <laughs> and again, I, know, because... I know we've touched on that, but at the same time, we've touched on it in a way that is different. But there's so many podcasts doing interviews with people. like that, And, and you, have to, you have to offer something different. Kurt, like, how I'm, did you get I... into wrestling? I can't just do what's like your a yeah, match, Kurt. That's it, because so like that's why so many wrestlers like what's what is really lovely is quite a few wrestlers have said this has been my favourite interview. I'm like I'm really glad, oh. but, it should, but it shouldn't have been that easy. Like <laughs> it annoys yeah, me that, true. that it's that it's that easy to go. This has been my favourite. There should have been, and I get it because I listen to a lot of other interviews, and there's some really great people out there who are amazing at interviews. Chris Van Vliet's show Insight oh, is amazing. Absolute. He's so good, and I, I'm blessed that he he came on here and had a chat. And it was great to chat to him about the, the process of it all. And, and Conrad Thompson is one of those men that I, I, I kind of hate him, but not for any particular reason. It's just that he's so incredibly talented. And I know I'm so incredibly seethingly jealous of that. He's a so talented man really living like in LA him. who's very, very handsome. I, I really like him. But in the <laughs> deepest fathoms of my being, I'm like, oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> How dare he have all the talent and I have none. <laughs> look, look at you, you beautiful bastard on FHM yeah. being really good at everything oh, you do. I hate you. And you're handsome as well. Disgusting. Oh, Save it, some for the rest of us. Conrad Thompson's really good at oh, what he's, he does. He's brilliant. He draw, so do you know what? good. Conrad Thompson draws out podcast potential from wrestlers that don't necessarily know what the heck they're doing. And I don't want to be mean, but the prime example is Kurt Angle. If Kurt Angle yeah. had started a podcast himself and gone from there. I love you, Kurt, by the way. I know you're definitely listening to this. He and always does. You are one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And I would argue you are the best wrestler in ring of all time. But if Kurt had started a podcast on his own, it would be disjointed. It would be probably poorly paced. And it might not be that interesting to listen to apart from, oh my God, Kurt Angle's talking in my ears. Whereas Conrad helps to keep him grounded and keep him flowing in at, at the right pace that suits him, but also makes it a good listen. And I He's think very Con much Conrad is, is very good for that. Yeah, he unlocks the potential of yeah. every wrestling podcast he touches down on. I wish, I wish, because you you get quite a few people that will that will hate on Conrad Thompson because he gets everywhere. But you have to understand, he gets everywhere because he's so bloody good. Yeah, absolutely. That's why he gets. Like when everywhere. people go, oh, another Conrad podcast. Yeah, why do you think that is? Do you think it's because he's Brilliant. really bad at them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, another Conrad Thompson podcast. Excellent. I'm I'm very happy about this development because I, I will need say, more though, stuff. I will say though, and I'm going to get accused of fellatio at this point, but. <laughs> I believe you are up there because you're someone who can build rapport instantly with anybody. <laughs> I have never heard you speak to anyone in any of the media I've consumed where you have not built some kind of rapport. Like, and, and um, Love You By Fridays is a perfect example. People call you up and it's boom. Interesting conversation. There you go. There's a plug for Love You By Fridays as well. Thanks, it's interesting to listen to. Something else that I will put on in the background whilst I'm editing because it's an easy listen and it flows and it's interesting. And when you're when you're in the podcast environment, obviously because of the, um, I, I assume it's because of the the radio experience. It just flows. It's nicely paced, and you can like if stories are blood, you could squeeze them from a stone. 
Like it's incredible. You, I stand by, and wherever people are able to leave comments, even if they even if they tweet this and agree with me, at Ace Trainer Liam says at Tom the Tom Campbell at, or Tom Campbell. I can't remember which one you do. I'm just Tom Campbell. At there, Tom Campbell. You're so lucky. I mean, I'm lucky as well because I, I got that, I got there like in 2008 oh, when, when nobody was using Twitter. I always like uh, getting the right handle. <laughs> but oh, they will say, amazing. at Tom Campbell, really can build rapport with anybody from the word go. It's true. Bless you. Don't thank, thank you. me. Don't you thank me enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be accused of fellatio. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. We're too socially distanced for no, that. Nothing against it, by all means. No, like by all no, means, no. If, if forget the right offer, then by all means. But just just wait. Me and you, we'll we'll go to the standard order and we'll sort that out. Oh, look at him knowing Derby, mate. I got battered in Derby <laughs> in 2019. After I, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you this. After I wait, wait. Do you mean do you mean battered as in drunk, or do you mean battered as in you opened your mouth to the wrong person? Ah, oh, no. Found no, the drunk. one person you can't build rapport with. <laughs> No, I built fists instead. No, no, I got very drunk. So um, I got, when I lost my job uh, at heart back in like um, You said, screw it, I'll go Derby. That's tragic. (laughs) Yes and no, basically. So um, it was part, I lost my gig because it was part of a a wider thing with heart where they were changing the output. They They were getting rid of a lot of local stations. So loads of presenters were, were, were were, were being sent up the road. Uh, so I was, I was one of those that uh, that was in that situation. So what I did was I got in. I started a little Facebook group of all the drive presenters that were getting the boot, and we kind of formed a little support group. Oh. And there was a there was a lad from uh, North Lancashire, there was a guy from Gloucestershire, and another guy from Cornwall. And we've stayed mates ever since. But I think just because we're all losing our jobs, just every day we just would check in with each other and make sure we're doing all right. Because we were we were all told, like, right, yeah, uh, you're no longer needed. But we all had contracts paid up until the end of July, end of May, the end of May. So it's coming up to a couple of years since then. End of May. So we were all working, knowing that we were going, but we couldn't say on air that we were going. Of course. It was re- really oh, strange yeah. times. And... and you have one or two things that you can do with that. You can either go, oh, I'm just going to phone it in for three months and collect me money and go. Or you can just go, no, nah, I'm just going to go out swinging. And I was, I'm always at the mindset of if I'm going, I'm going out making you regret that you got <laughs> yeah. rid of me. Oh, absolutely. That's, I'll give you the best damn mindset. performance of my life. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to do it. And so I got everybody else together to do that. And uh, we decided we should all meet up. And and once all this is over, we should all meet up and have some drinks. So we got the map, and it turned out equidistant from all of us, Newcastle, Lancashire, Gloucestershire, Cornwall, was Derby. The first factory town. <laughs> so off we went to the first factory town, and we had a night out in Derby. And we went to the standing order, and I put on Twitter, we're at table 26, do your worst. Oh. And didn't buy a drink for eight hours. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I never think to do that. I might do that when I'm at uh, another. Do event. it when I'm at a Weatherspoons because they have the the app thing. Just be like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm gonna I'm gonna find table twenty six as well. And if there's people there, I'll move them. Do it. Just do for the it. Events. I'll, I'll retweet, retweet your it. tweet. <laughs> I'll retweet your original tweet from years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same at the Tom Campbell 2012. <laughs> I'm what? back where it all began. Yeah. yeah so yeah. So 
in Derby. We'll do that. I'll, I'm happy to go back to the standard order. <laughs> Absolutely. Unless there's other pubs in Derby. Once the world ends up. Yeah. Once, once the world, world ends up, opens up. The world has ended up in various states. <laughs> once we're back to normal. So, okay. You oh, yeah. A movie, an a album, <laughs> and a luxury item. A movie, what would album, you like your movie item. to be? Movie will be my favourite movie of all times, which is The Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Absolutely love it. Anthony Hopkins, just in his best performance ever. Most iconic role, I would argue. Some might argue against it, but that's the internet. Um, basically because I like the story. I think it's a, you know, obviously it's based on, on a book. And it's a, you know, very good, very good simple thriller. Like, the twists are interesting, but they're not, like, mind-boggling. Like, oh, that guy had the girl in his house the whole time. How surprising. It's been built up all, all along. Um, but I very much... I like things like the way Hannibal escapes from from the cage at the where he's in the art gallery and they've got him in that big cage. I, I like all the the spectacle spectacle and the grandeur of the way he kills the policeman, but also some of the just the generally like unintentionally funny moments, like because obviously it's very you know very dark film and at one point he is abducting a lady, but just he just the, the um, Buffalo Bill just at one point just goes hey you're about a size fourteen, and for some <laughs> reason it just always kills me and then of course there's there's the uh which is less appreciated nowadays but um when clarice is asking buffalo bill unbe unbeknownst to her if he's seen the girl that's missing he just stops and goes oh wait a minute was she a great big fat person <laughs> and i'm just like that's not how people talk at all <laughs> if you're trying to cover up the fact that you've got this lady tied up in a well in your basement you don't want to be there just making fun of her just like oh yeah i know her she's uh not my type but but apparently is <laughs> well she's, like she's the she's the right size so that i can wear her as a coat is his mindset i suppose so <laughs> it's yeah because the whole thing is he thinks differently yeah to other normal people so i guess saying he, he sees her like as an object rather than a rather than a, an actual person hence it yeah. rubs the lotion on its skin and all that yeah put the lotion in the basket because that's that's the thing isn't it well, if he sees her as a person maybe he'll let her go and that's yeah which is the yeah he has to people. he has to have that separation yeah in order to keep her there because if he sees because uh, you know when, when she was crying when she was in the, at the bottom of the well and she was crying and all he's doing is saying put the lotion in the it puts the lotion in the basket because put it the lotion that, in the basket yeah keeps that separation them being human and another unintentionally funny moment is when Clarice is, uh, I think she's got past Buffalo Bill. I oh, know she's hiding from Buffalo Bill or trying to find him after he's kind of run off into his weird, massive basement. Like, I didn't know basements were that big. Um, and uh, the girl is down the well and she's screaming for help because she's realized Clarice is there. And Clarice is like, I'm, I'm just going to go over here for one moment. I'll be back. Don't worry. People are coming. And the girl, I won't say the exact quote, but she just shouts, no, come back here, you B word. And I'm just like, <laughs> if you want to be rescued, love, that's just not the way to go about it. If I was Clarice, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to take my time now. <laughs> oh, dear. Tragically, I didn't get to her in time. How unfortunate. I bet she was oh, a lovely dear. person. What a pity. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much intentional humor. So I could I could watch that all the time. Just great okay. Movie. How about an album? An album. Now, my favorite band of all time is Rammstein. Uh, our good old nice. German friends. Um, seen them in concert three times and i'm very much not a concert person because i don't like being shoulder to shoulder with loads of sweating people who are all pushing each other because that's the nature of the genre don't like that i'm not a big mosh i look like it 
a lot of people look at me like, oh, you're probably into a lot of heavy metal. I bet you like mosh pits and and getting bladdered. I'm like, no, not really. Don't drink and I don't like mosh pits, but thanks for the judgment. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm willing to go and see Rammstein, Rammstein because of the spectacle they put on. But I wouldn't choose one of their albums to play on repeat on this desert island. I would choose End of an Empire by Cell Dweller. Oh. Because every album I've ever listened to, there's one or two songs on it where I'm like, oh God, this song's on again. Let me just skip this one. I'm not that into it. And that even applies to Rammstein. There are some songs where I'm like, oh, just give this one a skip. It's not really, I've not really got a mood for it. But with Cell Dwellers End of an Empire, every single track on that item, on that item, on that album, is a, is a track that I love. Is a track that I can listen to. I can put that, tr- if I go to the gym and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do like half an hour on this machine or something or half an hour on the treadmill. I'll, uh, yeah, why would I do half an hour on uh, one of the weight machines? Just because I want to be really ripped, clearly, <laughs> when the gyms are a thing. But if I'm going for, uh, if I want to put an album on because I've run out of podcasts, yeah, Cultaholic, sort it out. Do more podcasts, please. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, there's just I'll not enough. more than 11, th- shall there's I? There's not enough three hour podcasts in the week, guys. Come on. <laughs> Um, I, um, I'll turn on Cell Dwellers End of an Empire and I won't even put it on shuffle. I'll put it from start to finish. 45 minutes, I think it is. And I'll just listen to it in its entirety. Never skip a song. Everyone's a banger. Amazing. It's such a cop-out answer but it's so simple because no, it's a great I find, answer I, I find with a lot of albums there's always that one song where you're like oh this album would be better if this song wasn't part of it <laughs> and you make yourself sometimes you'll make yourself a playlist of the songs from the album you like excluding the ones that you normally skip and for me there's, there's no song like that on end of an empire that's the dream to have an unskippable album just start to finish they're all bangers end of an yeah. empire uh, uh, uh down to earth Heart on, have to say that very carefully. Um, <laughs> Jericho, Elysium, Lost in Time, they're bangers. They're all bangers. How about a luxury item? Oh, now, I assume the luxury item has to be inanimate. Yeah, I mean, people have taken pets before, but they're, they're oh, you know what? actually, no, I was gonna, I was gonna suggest one of my dogs, but then I was like, how, how on earth do I choose between? esmeralda and ruby that's impossible oh you could sellotape them together they might count as one then yeah but imagine peeling the tape off the poor <laughs> poor dogs getting waxed oh, on a desert yeah. island and you're getting waxed <laughs> they're floofy boys as well ladies ladies floofy sorry. ladies sorry floofy ladies apologies I, I, i'm one of those people right i didn't need then to correct you because it really doesn't matter but i did it and i really i don't like doing that. no i don't know why i default to calling pets lovely it's, it's boys. just it's just because in media in general it's like oh good boy who's a good boy it's general it's general like and there was no yeah. reason for me to correct you there but i did and i'm, I'm, I'm no. getting into a habit of recognizing when i do behavior that is not not necessarily problematic, but still, like you could have not said that, Liam. You could it's have not problematic. For me to say no, that that's I what the... I mean. That's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not problematic, but it's one of yeah. those where it's like, Liam, you didn't have to correct that person. But I'm glad much you like, did because like... I was going to buy them toy trucks. M- much in the same way that, like, I wish trolls on the internet would learn. I didn't have to post that. I, yeah. <laughs> practice what you preach. I'm trying to do the same thing. It's very much the Ricky Gervais. I should have left it. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite things. Look, whatever anyone thinks of Ricky Gervais, please watch Humanity. Skip the stuff about Caitlyn Jenner if that is going to upset you because he does go quite hard on her. But listen to the section where he talks about an argument with someone on Twitter because it's fantastic. Absolutely encapsulates Twitter in a nutshell. And also about the plane crash, because that's one of my favorite quotes of all time is when a plane lands over water, it smashes the F to bits. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> um, but yes, a luxury item. Oh, my word. Well, there's no point in me taking a games console because 
I um, won't have a TV to play it with. Uh, although take Nintendo Switch is not a bad shout. I think you can take a handheld gaming console. Do you know what I take? And this is really... I, I think it's a little bit... No, nah, it's fine. I was going to say it's a bit pathetic, but I take a duvet. Nice. A duvet set. So I've got a pillow as well, technically. I take a, oh, okay. a, a pillow-duvet combo. Or I, you know what? Just a duvet, because I can roll up the end and use it as a pillow. So then I am still taking one item. I'm being really, I'm really trying to adhere to the rules of this. Like, I appreciate one it. luxury item. I would take a duvet because they're just comfy and it's a desert island, so could be tropical during the day. But even so, it's going to be cold at night regardless. And I want to be if I'm there for a week. Am I there for a week or two weeks? Uh, do you know what? It's just an in. I would say two weeks. We'll say two. I've, two I've, weeks. I've, so... I have never thought about the time frame. <laughs> I've just had all these people on this island for years. Sorry, everybody. Because if I'm there you, for ten, you can go when you minutes, like, James Storm. If, if I'm there for ten minutes, I'll just pick some divas matches from the mid two thousands. They're what <laughs> a minute apiece. Like, oh, Natty did a roll up again. Oh, as, oh as, no. <laughs> assume you're there until you're rescued. It could be a day. It could be a week. It could okay, be a month. Then a duvet. Be, because if if I'm going to be there at night time, I want to not just be warm, but I want to be comfy. Nice. Just want to curl like it. up. Do you sleep well? I think so. I, th I think I do. I think very much. I find it difficult to get to sleep sometimes. I have to. I, I now religiously have to put on either some rain sounds on YouTube. I have two YouTube videos downloaded on my phone. One is rain sounds and one is a train carriage, an overnight train carriage where you just hear the rumble of the train tracks or whatever. And I have to have one of those on. It's like a nine hour video each just to help me go to sleep. But once my eyes close and I hit the pillow, I'm generally out and waking up before I know it. I'm a very, very heavy sleeper and I sleep through my alarms a lot, which is causing a lot of problems with YouTube and whatnot, because <laughs> nothing worse than being your own boss. And if your boss isn't awake to wake you, how are you going to know you've not woken up? <laughs> <laughs> so you should be very, very appreciative that I am up before 12 o'clock today. <laughs> I am very, very surprised to, to, to see that. But it's, but you're, you're the same as me. Like, I can't fall asleep without listening to something. I need something, a fan or something. Yeah, I, I know. I know that's a symptom of tinnitus, but I know I don't have tinnitus because I don't hear any ringing or anything. Is it really a symptom of tinnitus? I think so. I only do you know what? That's really bad. I only think I know that because Archer mentions it in the series Archer. He says I have really bad tinnitus because of all the gunshots he's heard next to his ear. And he's like, it's gotten really bad now. I actually have to sleep with a fan on. <laughs> so part of me thinks, oh, people with tinnitus will sleep with a fan on, obviously to drown out the ringing. Yeah. And to help them sleep. But then. So I assume that's a symptom. A symptom of tinnitus would be I need to sleep with a fan on. That's a treatment, I suppose. I think it's yeah. It's more to, as you say to drown out the um, yeah. So the, maybe it's the, the maybe ringing. I'm maybe me thinking have I got tinnitus is nothing to do with it. But I know I haven't because I don't have ringing I, in my ears. I, I wondered like for me, I think I'm now just at a point where weirdly it helps my brain shut off. Yeah, my, my good lady says that it's the it does the opposite to her. It makes her think more because she's like I can hear the fan. Because I can hear the noises and yeah. like I, I don't want to hear a story as I'm going to sleep. I tried, like, because Alex had trouble sleeping a couple of nights, and I tried. Um, I encouraged her to use the um, use the Calm app. I use either Calm or Headspace, and like Headspace has like lovely sleep cast. Oh, Headspace stories. is fantastic. They're like stories that don't go anywhere, and they're really nice. They're just stories about like a laundrette or a story about like a, a house in the middle of the woods, and they're stories where nothing happens, but you, they just chill you right out, and. I remember I, there was there's one it's a constant joke with us now because there was one you mentioned about the train tracks there's one which was the siberian railroad and it was a story about uh this is like a little welcome to the siberian express oh i think we we listened to this one but we have the voiceover turned off 
Ah, because I can't. I, I'm like Alex. I can't sleep if I, if someone's talking because I'll I'll fixate on what they're saying. Yeah. Oh, but I quite like the talking though. That's my. That's the. But with, you know the one I'm talking about then. Yeah. Does the, it, is that the one that very much starts off with like you hear the train and then you hear the little. Yes, that's it. And is then it the guy comes in with the talking because sometimes we forget to turn off the voice and we're like, oh, crikey, the voice is on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I quite to like the it. Siberian Railway. <laughs> I call it. Do you want to put, I just say, do you want to put your train conductor on? It's not called the train conductor. I think it should be called the train conductor. But they, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're a user of Headspace as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I very much believe because we first downloaded it once um, when Sophie had a big anxiety attack last year um, where we ended up at the hospital. Uh, they suggested trying out Headspace and the meditation and stuff. And I, I very much believe Headspace contributed to saving her life. Wow. Like, I very much do believe, like, without that, there, there'd have been times where her anxiety attacks would have been impossible for her to get out of if she didn't have Headspace as meditation and stuff to fall back on. Not sponsored, but just, it's absolutely, if anyone is suffering with anxiety, give it a try. What, what have you got to lose? Yeah, definitely worth a try. Definitely worth a try. So, your third and final... Uh, wrestling match for your DVD. We've had uh, the 2002 Royal Rumble, had Triple H versus Kane from Monday Night Raw, the world title versus mask match. Uh, what would you like your third one to be, sir? Third one's very recent, and it is an AEW match because I absolutely adore AEW, and I feel I'd, I'd be doing them a disservice if I didn't feature one of their matches. Um, and it is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, versus Thunder Rosa, in an unsanctioned match in the main event of Dynamite. How this madness in for these two women? Oh no, oh no! She's not gonna do this, is she? Yep. Oh! Fire Thunder Driver through the table! Both ladies are damaged goods. Thunder Rosa going for the cover, going for the win. Can she? Yes, she, she got it. does! Thunder Rosa has won this. Amazing, amazing event. The winner of this match, Thunder Rosa. And she breaks down and cries at the end of it. I don't blame her. My God, what they put each other through. Their bodies punctured with thumbtacks. They bled. They've been bruised. They really may never be the same. There's no deep meaning behind it or anything like that. It's purely just what a fantastic, brutal match that for me, showcase to a lot of people who are very ignorant to what women can do in wrestling, just what women can do in wrestling. And it wasn't the most technically sound match, like these kinds of like spot fest matches aren't. But in terms of the brutality and the toughness on display, I think did wonders for women's wrestling in 2021. What about this match? Is there a particular moment in this match where you realized this is a big deal? It's it's some of the spots that sound so simple when you're saying them to someone, but when you watch them, they're incredible, such as the Death Valley driver onto the ladder, the um, the powerbomb onto thumbtacks. Like, I, I was a bit Britt Baker fan and wanting her to be the head of the AW Women's Division for a while, but I did recognize, okay, I, I still don't know if she's quite, like, a main eventer. I think she's up high up the card, but I don't know if I could see like Britt Baker main eventing an AEW pay-per-view, for example. But her taking that powerbomb showed me a level of respect that she deserves that I did not even realize she was able to push herself to. Like that for me was like, this woman will do anything to be the best in this company and to be booked as the best in this company. And that's where she needs to be. 
That's why I'm so happy that she's booked against Shida for Double or Nothing. I'm just like, yes, please. I love Shida, but I was like, sorry, Shida. Your title run's been underwhelming, to say the least, I think. Mm. Give Britt the belt. Let her run with it. Even I, I'd be even happy if the entire summer was Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa again. I think that's I didn't where like we're going. the build. I didn't like the build to that match with, oh, you've got a big nose. I don't like you because I want us to get away from women's feuds being, I'm going to make a comment about your appearance because I'm a nasty girl. Nah, I don't want that. That's no. childish. That's the product of another time. Women can argue. Women can dislike each other for the sheer spirit of competition or thinking they're better than each other instead of it being, I don't like you or stop looking at my man. That's what, you know, like you're ugly or you don't fit in with us because we're mean girls. I want it to be, I'm a better wrestler than you. Shut up and fight me. That's what there I There needs to be a wider spectrum of, of storylines involving female talent. I think that goes uh, without saying for everywhere. I'm with On the WWE side, um, they get a lot of grief and a lot of it is deserved. But I am enjoying Alexa Bliss spooky monster time. At the oh, moment. I am. I don't understand how anyone can look at the current alexa bliss character and not just think this woman's a chameleon this woman can do anything this company throws at her like out and out i think alexa bliss is the best women's wrestler that wwe has had in a long time in terms of overall in-ring work Shayna baszler is arguably much much better um technical like i mean even technical wrestling like even charlotte's a better wrestler than uh, than alexa bliss I don't know if there are better promos on the women's roster than Alexa Bliss, but like overall as a total package, she's got everything and can do everything that they want her to do. She can turn mud into gold. The real evolution, and, and I know people ban the term like women's revolution, women's evolution around a lot. I think the real evolution will come when it it's not talked about. Yeah. Oh, I, I when it's just a case this. of oh, that's the main event of WrestleMania. It's this the match that's got the best build, and it's irregardless of gender. I could be it's... wrong, but I think Nikki Bella said this in an interview. I think yeah. she said that's when we'll know we've we've achieved the revolution is is when people stop mentioning it. Is when people stop saying oh, this is a first ever women's main event. This is the first ever women's Hell in a Cell. This is the first ever women's unsanctioned match. Like we've talked about, it's like. When they stop saying that and it's just, okay, the main event this month is Charlotte versus Alexa. The the main event for this episode of Raw. The last two matches on Monday Night Raw is, you know, uh, I'm using Raw as an example, but using AW wrestlers is Cheetah versus Nyla and Baker versus um, Thunder Rosa or Serena Deeb. Like stuff like that being the main event of whatever show it is. Like, and, and it being like, maybe even, maybe even one episode of wrestling, um, the men don't actually end up having any matches because they're doing all their storyline stuff in between and just doing angles to further storylines in ring. And the actual matches are women's matches. And no and, one no one goes, and, oh no, the men didn't get to go. The men didn't get their matches. That's not balance. It's just, oh, that happened this week on Raw. Maybe next week on Raw, we have the same thing where only the, the women do the angles and the men do the matches. And then the rest of the time, it's just interspersed. And women can be in the main event. Some weeks, men are in the main event. Some people, you know, sometimes the 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 women's main event is not even a title feud because that's something that's lacking in wrestling as at the moment is lower card women's feuds yes. that make sense and are interesting and compelling. I mean, that's again why Baker and Thunderosa were so important. Because it wasn't it even was, for a title. It wasn't for a title. It was a grudge match. It was a grudge match going on last. And what you say there about how like maybe one week on Raw, 
like all the all it'll be all women's matches and all men's segments which would be uh, the the dream would be for that to happen and it not be acknowledged no one even notice it's just like oh that's just how it rolled this week yeah just, oh, just, just, how it just you know these people furthered their storylines and these people had matches wwe would have to would have to bite their tongue on saying an all oh, women's wrestling raw they'd have to bite their tongue on on print on, and it's not out of a lack of pride it's not out of uh yeah chasing anything in particular it's 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 you know it's bought it's not out of lack of virtue signaling it's more just a case of it's just that's just what it was this week i i really do wish that wwe would learn that they they would they would be allowed to em- they what am I trying to say? They would they wouldn't have to emphasize first time ever for everything so much if they just made good content. Yes. Because what they do is they do the first time ever to pop a rating because they know first time ever will bring in some viewers. But you'd bring in more viewers if every time people tuned in, they got a good show. <laughs> you you would do it more consistently. You know, it's yeah. it's the it's the it's like the argument of, you know, having a a, a calorie controlled diet for 6 months over just f- like fasting or just snacking on sugar for two days. Like you're going to, your energy is going to increase from both, but it's going to be wildly inconsistent. The time of recording is just following from um, the throwback Smackdown episode they did, which was uh, production wise. We brought back the fist. uh, to kind of Uh. aesthetic wise. It was a hot mess. It didn't quite know what it was trying to be, uh, but in the ratings, it did very well. And so the, 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 the desire for what is perceived to be a, a, a retro episode, a SmackDown for the casual fans, was clearly successful. Mm. But the sad part is that we all know that if they were to knuckle down, and you know what? Both companies are guilty of this. Both companies are guilty oh, of this. Oh, absolutely. If they were able to knuckle down and, and create some long-term, well-put-together stories that would take you on a journey, you would see that buy rate rise organically it won't be instant it wouldn't be hot shotted and you'd think that wwe being at a point now where they're going to make money to spite themselves they might do more of that but if anything they're doing less of i that. mean aw of course is definitely not out of the woods in terms of their women's division booking i definitely think they're getting better mm-hmm. but i do still find that a lot of what aw is is oh my god she having a title defense against this person also on the card these two women are having a match why why are the, what what are those two women having a match? We needed a women's match for the card, so it needs you know, to be uh, legit. Layla Hirsch is having a match against Abaddon b- because they are. Why can't we have a bit of story development? Why can't Abaddon maybe do something to harm Layla Hirsch and then Layla Hirsch comes back for a? Va- it, it's the most basic storytelling ever. But even mm. that would be better than just is your women's match for tonight. Red Velvet's on, <laughs> like. But it says something the fact that the, the wrestling is so good that even you know even now when that booking is so hit and miss one of the three match one of the three matches is an AEW women's match which shows how good they can have it it's a little insight to how good it can be oh so good so very very good and this has been so very bloody lovely liam this has been cathartic i've very much enjoyed myself (laughs) where can people go to find out all about you sir you can go to ace trainer liam on everything except tiktok because some person with 12 followers took ace trainer liam and they haven't uploaded i think in years but i'm never going to get that name on TikTok. so i'm ace trainer liam on youtube instagram twitch 
uh, Twitter, that's the one. And Facebook, but I, I'm really losing my love for Facebook lately, so who knows how oh, long I'll be are. there. But yeah, YouTube and Twitch are the important ones. Twitch, you'll be able to talk to me directly, which is, you know, sometimes fun, <laughs> depending if I like you. <laughs> uh, you, I, I want to end on this, actually, because uh, I was doing a little beavering behind the scenes uh, during our interview beaver. today. Yes, me with a beaver. So um, I've, I've been given clearance to, to ask you this as part of the show. Oh, no. Which is quite nice. So um, what a lovely time you've had in 2021. Um, let me see. So so you're in Soulstorm doing your thing as a slick. Uh, you, you have a channel that is uh, very much bouncing back like Alan Partridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, that was you've terrible. Na- <laughs> you've... you've- <laughs> Who was I for a second? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I'm sure that was in a, a David Firth cartoon. Little boy, come and join us. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback, isn't oh, it? Right, the sock. Right. Ah. Um, Spoilsbury Toast Boy, sorry, not the sock. Spoilsbury Toast Boy. Sorry um, to derail, but I met David Firth at a convention once. It was the what? first convention What's he I've like? ever been to. He's lovely. I have all yeah. the time in the world for David. He, um, he, It was his first convention he'd ever been to. Um, and it was uh, it was J-Con in Derby. Ah, oh, <laughs> and, and it you was say really Derby fun. gets nothing. He's lovely. And after meeting him, I was like, I have to buy the salad figure, fingers action figure. Couldn't not. Amazing. So I'm happy now. I I'm glad a... he's all right. I'm glad oh, he's all right. I was you, really worried. You, they always say never meet your heroes, just in case. But also met Mr. Weeble as well. He's really fun. I, you know, I Badger Badger man. Yeah, I know Badger Badger. He, Weeble is... I remember he did a podcast for about three weeks, and it was a really funny podcast. Weeble and he sound as a pound, honestly. Like he, funny story with with Weeble, just as a last what last tangent of the day <laughs> um, is. I met him at a convention, and you know when you meet someone, and they're really they're a really big deal. Like this, this is you know this is magical Trevor Badger Badger Mushroom Narwhal mm-hmm. Narwhal Swimming in the Ocean guy. Like, he's a massive deal to so many people's childhoods. And I met him, and I shook his hand, and I did the whole fanboy of like big fan, really like your content, thank you, love this. And he was like, yeah, cool, mate. Like, just very much didn't seem interested mm. in in me. And that's fine. You know, that's okay. But then that night, we're all in the, the Novotel, because this was uh, down near the XL in London. And that night, he spent the entire night talking to me about the state of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and then at JCon, where he also was... Um, that night we went and just sat in uh, I think it's a nearby travel lodge a, a bunch of us because some people have come up from down south to like to, to hang out for the convention we sat there Mr. Weeble and his wife comes over and sits with us and just starts chatting with us and I was just like they made an active effort to just come and hang with us they could have just gone back to their room they could have just done anything they could have been anywhere else they want to be but they chose to hang out with us and it's stuff like that that I always hang on to that's be- cool because people don't have to do that stuff and it's just nice when they do because then you go wow this isn't as one way as i thought it was it might still be a bit of a one way like i'm the fan you're the creator but it's nice that you've you've humanized this a little bit i like that that's nice shout like out that. to all creators that do that yeah because it takes nothing to do yeah. it takes no time to do and it's just a, and if you can leave some if you can leave oh, leave it leave it better than you found it well as it, bad as it sounds being a, being a creator myself where i go to conventions and people come up to me i know what it's like after you've done the convention all day and you've been saying hello to people all day you've been taking pictures of people you've been signing stuff which is still bizarre to me at the end of the day you you do just want to go back to the hotel and you just want to turn off for the day because it's like being at work but all day because you're all it's like you're on camera all day you're on all the time and you have to be careful because technically you could be on a camera at any point that day <laughs> so don't do anything naughty um <laughs> but yeah so sometimes you do just want to chill out you want to go and have a quiet meal with your partner or you want to catch up with the friends that you never see because they're all spread out across the country so for those people to like mr weeble to then go i am going to hang out with these guys though 
that's really cool. Because I don't know if it's a bit of like cre creator to other creator respect, because obviously they recognize that we were also behind a table there. But even then, it's still just like, it's nice to be recognized by one of the big fish. Absolutely. I don't, I don't get anything from it. Like, he's not going to shout me out. He's not going to let me post on his channel or anything like that. But it's that respect that makes you go, maybe I'm not doing this whole journey just on my own out on my little island with my DVDs and my wrestling matches. Aww. That's nice, that. Isn't it lovely? But yeah. It is lovely. It is Sorry, lovely. you were building to a point. <laughs> I, I was... Oh, yeah, that was the thing. That was the thing. So, um, starting off... You star in a brand new Oddworld game. Soulstorm, out now. Um, you have a channel, which is uh, bouncing back Alan Partridge style. <laughs> there we go. That's where we were. <laughs> um, you have been raided and or followed by the majority of, of, of us idiots from Cultaholic. Um... You've now been on Desert Island Graps. Uh, would you like to do what it means to me for Triple Jump? Absolutely. Eight. Wait, 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 wait. Slow down, slow down, slow down, right? So, you, so Ben or Peter reached out and was like, yo, you, are you getting Liam on? Is that, uh, I'll, talk, I'll, talk I'll, me through. I'll give you the behind the scenes. So as we were chatting and you mentioned that you're a fan of Triple Jump. Uh, I copy and pasted your your YouTube URL into a work messenger chat with Ben uh, oh and God. said, um, would you like this lad for what it means to me? He's a good egg. To which Ben replied, good shout. He'd be more than welcome. Oh, I'd absolutely love to do that. Brilliant. There'll Mate, be an email later on with details. You know me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big old fanboy, right? So like I'm anything you guys, you guys or Triple Jump because they're the sister channel. Anything, anything you guys need me for. I'm, I'm always down. I'll do a little bit of fanboying. It's genuinely delightful to actually get to talk to you as long I've as we have. I've wanted to talk to you for so long, but never known <laughs> how to like open up the DM. Like, hey, I know you get messages all the time, but I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> Hello. Just so you know, I am cool. Many thanks. Say, same, mate. And I, I'm sad I didn't do this sooner, but I'm glad we've done it now. Three hours is our first conversation. Wow. Imagine what it's going to be like when we get in the standing order. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I will buy you a pint and you can buy me a Coke or an orange juice. We'll let Twitter do the rest. Table 26, do you? Table 26, do you? <laughs> 